0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to This Week in X, presented by Crushing Comics. We are here to talk about all of the X-Men comics of the week. And this was a pretty big one for the Hellfire Gala. We have Wolverine number 13, Sword number 6, Way of X number 3, plus some brief comments from us on X-Men Legends number 4 and Marvel Voices Pride all out on the 23rd of June, 2021. And a conversation this big comes with a equally large spoiler warning. We're going to spoil (laughs) these books. We're going to spoil across these books. So while we're talking about early ones, we're going to talk about later ones. And when we talk about later ones, we're going to talk about earlier ones. So you have been warned that this is a full spoilers program. because we've got so much on the docket today we're actually not going to have our normal intro warm-up chat we actually just between us had one but it was about loki Mm. and it's we're not full of those spoilers (laughs) so perhaps we'll come back and talk about loki a little bit later in the season but to spare you even further for spoilers from another form of media we are not going to have that uh introductory chat with you here today on the program
1: it's very good though Very
0: highly recommended by by twix okay sword number six to begin we're going to give our Full reactions to this issue, and then we're going to get into several of the plot details. So, Tyler, let's begin with you with your full reaction to Sword Number Six.
2: I like that the scope of this book feels much larger than all the other X books combined, though I wonder if that will make some of the other books feel a little bit less relevant, especially if they are not that good. Um, Skitty's art will be sorely missed but I'm glad that he's going to be on a very high-profile book because he deserves it.
3: Harry, there's so many great moments in this and the art's spectacular. Uh, Part of me does worry that this is becoming just like one more vague chapter in Ewing's overall space saga than its own identity as an X-book, but... um, Regard, disregarding that it's just a lot of fun to read and there's just there's huge moments there is like stuff i didn't expect to happen and so far this has been like the most surprising part of this whole month of comics fariha um
1: with one issue Al Ewing pretty much ended x core Like Mariners, Excalibur, uh, Wolverine, X-Force. We don't need any of those books anymore. Like, seriously, why? Why do we even need that? mm -hmm. And also, last week or the week before, I think I was screaming about Marvel writers not understanding that just because you're working on X-Men, you don't have Mm -hmm. to trash the rest of the Marvel Universe. My man, Al Ewing, understood that. Like, he... It was like... It was dropped in his head. Also... Very surprising. I don't necessarily like mutants anymore after this. So that's that. Like Stuff's you know,
4: happening.
1: yeah. So that's happening. I'm like, well, thank you, Mr. Ewing. I met him. He's really sweet, and you know, yeah. um, and you know, and it was it was great because of that. Because of all this, it's very great. And you know, I completely agree with Tyler that the art will be solely missed. And you know, I'm kind of dreading how the art's going to be. But we also had X-Core. It cannot be any worse than that. So that's okay. (laughs) Bring it back. Bring it back
3: to (laughs) X-Core.
1: Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I'm really looking forward to where it goes. And, you know, there's so much to talk about.
0: I gasped out loud. Three separate times reading this book, and I mean, mm-hmm. I I react as I'm reading comic books. But I, the first two times, I think it was more of just an inhalation. But the third time, and you all know what the third one was, and we're, we're mm-hmm. going to get there. I <laughs> literally was like, oh! like I and I like I really. If I'd been eating uh, like a mint or something, I would have needed the Heimlich maneuver because <laughs> it was a deep inhalation. And you know, yeah. I like comics that make me feel that way. But and I think that comics can really shock you and still not be great comics. I think this was a very good comic. I don't know if it was yeah. like great, but it really shows that Ewing has a handle on these voices. He's got interesting things to do with the X-Men that don't feel small. And that's really, I feel yeah. like what a lot of our complaints come down to is that you give us all these huge concepts in all these X-Men books, but then you're focusing on minutia a lot of the time. that doesn't seem like it matches the level. And if anybody brought the level of, of epic scope, it's, it's Ewing and Shidi and their collaborators on this issue. Uh, I worry a little bit long term that this is not even really a mutant book, but like, is that a problem? Like it's sword. It's it's mm-hmm. the mutant's version of intergalactic diplomacy, and that doesn't necessarily make it an X-Men book. So in the same way that I'm kind of like turning against Children of the Atom for not feeling mutiny enough, I'm almost siding more with Sword for not being mutiny enough. I'm like, yeah, because the scope is actually even bigger and 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 wider and 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 more encompassing than just mutant stuff, and nobody, you know, it's not—it's not called Children of the Atom. It's called Sword. There's no X. You know, we don't have to rename it to Utes. So I was a—I <laughs> uh, was a big fan <laughs> of this issue. Well, we're starting with you, Freyhoff, because this first oh. scene is a thing that you are a particular connoisseur of, which is uh, Captain America goes stargazing or Mars gazing, we should say, mm-hmm. and he's mm-hmm. joined by for this romantic stroll by Doctor Doom. <laughs> And it creates an incredibly memorable scene that takes up one third of this X Men comic book Mm -hmm. with this Captain America and Doctor Doom scene. And so, as our foremost appreciator of Captain America, I thought we would throw to you for the first comments here. America, this,
1: yeah, this is Captain America. Whatever nonsense was written in that one issue, which one was it? Planetside X Men. Well,
2: he has two. two Planetside reaction. He has two reactions. One was in Marauders and then one was in Planet Size. Yeah,
1: so somehow Dugan did it okay in one and completely trashed in the other. <laughs> but this is Captain America. This is the man out of time who is very appreciative of technology, who is very appreciative of like future because he felt that he lost a lot of his part, like a lot of his life, and then he came back to a new world. And there was like, you know, he actually went back, if you go back to Man Out of Time by Mark Wade, when he went back, he realized that, oh, life wasn't as good. Like, nostalgia is not a thing. So he understands that. That's important. Exactly, he understands that. And he's always looking forward to the future. And he is, like, blown away. And he's also upset that because of the things that humans done, Mutants had to do it on their own. It's not necessarily, yes, it's not necessarily that, oh, I'm jealous that I'm not part of it. It's because that we, the human, pushed the mutants aside, and they did it, and we couldn't do it together. This is Captain America. This is perfect. Also, Captain America read Pax Romana. Mm -hmm. His (laughs) that his <laughs> disappointment of not being going to Mars is the exact same crushing disappointment I had after my Pachamara and he read it and he's commenting on that because, you know, he was saying that the way he said that of just changed the subject. It broke my heart because I know that feeling. I know what that feeling is. And it was just done so well. And I'm like, can Ewing write Captain America? I mean, you know, who's writing Captain America. Like can he can he write it? Like you know, I yeah, mean, I was have, just taken aback uh... by that, and and you know, X writers take note. You don't have to trash rest of the Marvel characters just to raise up X Men. You don't have to do that. This is perfect example of that. In the X Men go,
2: Harry. I mean, to to your oh, point, or I think... <laughs> sorry sorry i just want to add a little bit before i forget it's like to your point i feel like you sometimes doesn't get um enough recognition for his work and oh yeah um, yeah Definitely. so 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 I'm, I'm really glad that he he's on sword right now because you know it, it brings the, the 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 attention on him uh hopefully in a good way and hopefully to elevate him you know so that so that his books doesn't get canceled or get put into like silly crossovers all the time um i mean that there's there's one thing so um so back to harry
3: (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean i think he should get the next avengers book for sure if he just keeps like getting characters voices right by this but yeah i mean this is definitely like i mean i was torn because on one hand like I still like to see a little bit more of what swords ultimate structures with its characters. Cause they've dealt with like now two crossovers at this point, but um, you know, the voices are good, so it doesn't matter. And um, just the fact that it was Captain America and doom, like just speaking on the beach, having this long conversation. Like, I don't think I've read that before. <laughs> like I can't think of like that kind of conversation, like without weight. Um, and yeah. And then the ending kind of knocked me out too, but like uh, this, the first third was my favorite part. And I, I'm actually wondering what Freya was going to think of it when I was reading it.
1: Mm-hmm. I loved it.
2: <laughs> <sighs> so, I mean, for me, I, I read the part about um, that, you know, when, when, when Steve said that, I, I just hoped we all look for it together. Mm. Um, I, I didn't quite get what I think the three of you got. Yeah, so because you're I an
1: X Men fan, that's why that's well, all. Yeah. We
2: mean. <laughs> but wait, hold on. I, I, I didn't. I didn't meant it as in like I. I, I took it as if he was jealous. Mm. Um, I mean, I definitely no. think that he he was thinking that you know uh, it would have been nice if all of us could have done it together, but um, I feel like, you know, if you put it, if you put that message of togetherness, um, versus what has happened to the mutants before, um. Like this, you you will know that this will never happen, and 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 it it's not just it will never happen in this reality, as evidenced by all the Moiras' past life. It will never happen, and that that is why I think the mutants have to take it in their hands and like do it before, you know, and and not wait anymore.
1: Mm. Yeah, I mean that's exactly what he was saying. It's a, yeah. he's not saying anything different than what you said. And also remember, he tried to integrate mutants into into exactly. Avengers he so and and that (laughs) failed because marvel editors failed not because captain america failed i will also point that out um and he's also still sad about it
2: yeah which is what which is one which is my second point or my sub point for this one was that though to be fair he did try to do the avengers mutant thing and the avengers mutant inhuman things Mm -hmm. which did not quite succeed and you know and then of course um I'm I'm not going to go into that spiel about Remender butchering Rook's character no. and Havoc's character. <laughs> it's, it's, it's never bad. a bad time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's because Marvel editors
1: are morons, that's why. Or like you yeah. know, corporate overlords. Sorry, not the editors, but the overlords. overlords well, yeah. I
0: think I could not possibly talk about this any better than Freya did. So I just want, I, I fully endorse and yeah. she took the words right out of my mouth. I want to add one more slight layer onto that That I can, because I don't have to repeat all those things. Which is that um, there's been this conversation, it was like a meme on Twitter this week, of like, who's the better person, Clark Kent or Steve Rogers? This is an unanswerable question. They're both good people who are still flawed people who are trying to do their best. That's the allure of reading them. But I think one of the most interesting things about Captain America is that he necessarily, both as a character the way he's written in, within the story as a character, believes in the extent of all of the things America promises. That's the reason he volunteered himself to begin with. That's the reason he's remained as a symbol. And there have been times when he's removed the symbol of America because he stops believing in the promise, or at least his ability to represent the promise. And when he said, I just hoped we'd all look for it together, to me, that does, that's kind of like a reflection of, he wants to believe that these America values, you know, the A in his head doesn't stand for France, famously. And he... Yeah. Uh, he wants to believe that these American values that he stands for would mean that there could be a shared dialogue with mutants, and they could all go to Mars together, that every technological exploration, that every celebration of pride in one's race or species could be shared with everybody. And even though they're sharing the party with him, they didn't share going to Mars with him. And I think if it's a disappointment or a regret, it's a disappointment or regret that um even as a symbol, he he couldn't force America to get there faster. You know, America's relationships with mutants is what it is. He would have liked it. They could have just done this as citizens, as many of them at the party are American citizens, and they couldn't. So I just thought that that was like an, an interesting shade, even beyond that. It, that it was a moment of self-reflection from Cap, not just about. Um. Wishing that he could share it with them, but also realizing that you know he he doesn't always succeed all the time and i I think that's a really interesting nuanced moment and kudos to the lettering too here, who is uh mm-hmm. the letter here is uh Ariana Mayer on the layer letters. Uh, does a really really good job with the tempo of this conversation with the balloon placement with getting the right stuff bolded out of viewing script and also with that nice small text on that balloon there I think all and also that small text like really sitting right at the top of the star just really nice placement Mm -hmm. you gotta appreciate a letter doing their job well so one thing we do also
1: mention though that he himself actually says over here when um, Doom says are we not both the faces of our nations and he (laughs) said "Ha." ha like you know but the thing to that point though then my homeboy went to Mars in Avengers. He's the, yeah, yeah, he, he was sent done it
0: done it to Mars. On
1: Mars. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, I mean, he shouldn't be as... He yeah, he that, should, yeah, he shouldn't be as that upset He got America's it. ass kicked
0: on Mars, if I'm recalling that. X-Nyla yeah, really found on yeah. yeah. Mars, so that's actually <laughs> yeah. his planet. Oh, any no! Way.
1: His memory was wiped. So that's why he oh, doesn't yeah. remember it. No,
0: he remembers that. His memory was wiped of the... New F- oh, no, Illuminati gonna... stuff, but not yeah,
2: Illuminati. Oh, uh,
4: yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. Cool.
2: But before we before we move on, I just want to just want to uh, have something to say about the um, guy Rich <laughs> trying to recruit. <laughs> sure.
0: Oh yeah, I forgot that that scene was was in this. Guy <laughs> Rich like this, puts yeah. his arm
2: around Guardian. Yeah, I got I know, And but... then it's like trying to recruit him into, recruit him back into, uh, recruit him into AUKUS, basically. So I was like, Not yeah. very
3: subtly either.
2: I know. It's like, oh, have you heard of AUKUS? <laughs> have you, you heard, heard of our name? hate How group? He's
3: racist.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, he's,
2: he's Canadian
1: though. So I don't know. I don't think he will buy it's, it. we, we not are subtle. We Canadians are historically non-racist nice people.
2: Mm. mm. Historical. So say. I'm just Historically. kidding this. and an and, and apologist
1: <laughs> an apologist that's the thing even if we're racist we'll just say like oh we're sorry oh, I'm, so I'm sorry. sorry I'm so sorry so sorry a boot I'm sorry about that yeah <laughs> this oh,
3: is a good
0: riff <laughs> now you all listeners kind listeners and watchers might not know this but there is a secret deleted scene from this issue that appeared in Ewing's <laughs> other issue this week Guardians of the Galaxy 15 And uh, some of us read it and some of us didn't. So I'm going to toss it to Tyler to talk about this deleted scene. We're not going to spoil all of Guardians, just the scene that involves our sword characters, as seems fair. So Tyler, what happened in Guardians of the Galaxy that really could have easily been in sword? Well, I mean,
2: there was this first meeting with um, Magneto. I mean, Nova's first meeting with Magneto and Bran. And Nova's was already fuming because Dr. Doom was invited to be, you know, part of Guardians. And he, he, and he was kind of like upset with it. I mean, and so when he stepped out of his plane and he saw Magneto, he's like, oh no, I'm not having that. I'm not shaking my hand with yet another villain. And then they had a little bit of a fight. But unlike most heroes, heroes fight... This one sort of just ended because Bran was like, I'm going to throw two of you out of the space station. <laughs> <at> my <laughs> space station, if you don't behave. And the two of them basically admit that, you know, they reacted. Um, you know, they, they just reacted without thinking. And they had a good discussion about, um, um, of, you know, of what is happening. And, you know, how, what is Krakoa, what is Guardians doing? Um, but I think the point that I kind of wanted to talk about here <laughs> is that is Nova saying that um, the, um, the Galaxy couldn't afford another Nova Corp right now. Huh. And Magneto had a little bit of a look to it when he said that. And I was thinking, Magneto must be thinking like, Krakoa could fund Nova Corp right now. And that is another source of control um, that sword is going to have in the galaxy. So, so that is something which I thought was really um, relevant and kind of hinted at here. And I kind of also want to say that um, I really enjoy uh, Juan's um, fr- frigories art. I don't know. Yeah, I, I was I worried know. for anybody to
0: take over from Juan Cabal, who's one of my favorite artists right now. But <gasps> like, oh, I, ch- yeah. I check every issue. I go back to the credits. I'm like, who yeah. drew this? And then <laughs> I read am like, Juan really good. He's uh,
1: <laughs> really, really good. Yeah. Um, someone needs to give. Uh, no, uh, what's his name? Uh, Rich Rider? Rich is it Rich? Is yeah. it, it's Rich Rider. Yeah. Is Rich Rider. Oh, someone needs to give him an updated version of Marvel Handbook because if he still thinks that Magneto is uh, is a villain, yeah. he has not come to Earth in
2: a long time. Then
3: that's funny though that he's just behind on all
2: yeah, all of the references. He's like, have like, you heard of so It's like, like oh, yeah. funny. <laughs> he, he is. He even mentions something like, "Oh, um you did your homework. I didn't know that." Y- people on Earth are aware of the Guardians of the Galaxy. (laughs)
1: Yeah, because we have
2: the movie. Come
0: on now. Well, I mean, it also (laughs) proves that both
2: Richard Ryder and Al Ewing
0: are the biggest living fans of Captain America Annual 4, which we read in our X-Men Yes, (laughs) Nova (laughs) spends a whole page yelling at, first of all, Peepers is in Sword. He's from Captain (laughs) America Annual 4 and then, uh, Richard Ryder spends an entire page yelling at Magneto about that story. <laughs> so I'm so happy we read it, because I got yeah. all the in-jokes. I just think, it's, I mean, if you have... This is not a Guardians of the Galaxy recap show, although the next month we might do that because mm-hmm. there's an event. But uh, I think Ewing writes an incredible Nova, an incredible Richard Ryder, who's like, he's... um. When he says the galaxy can't afford the Nova Corps, I think that's a double entendre. Like, Freya has read all that galactic stuff. Mm. The Nova Corps loss was a huge loss to the galaxy. Yes. And it was incredibly tragic, and it was yeah. symbolically a, a loss of hope. And when he says we can't afford it, I took that as like a double entendre. Like, not mm-hmm. only can we literally not afford because the galaxy is in a, in a financial crisis, which is going to lead us into our next discussion point. But also, um, like, I don't think the galaxy can afford losing that kind of hope again, which was sort of an encoded message to Magneto, which I think he received of like, be careful of how much hope you give us. If you're not sure, you can stick around because mm-hmm. loss of hope is just as dangerous as and, of the that's a good read.
3: And,
1: and and then to that point though is like Nova Core can never be only mutants because the whole point of NovaCore is like every representative for every planet that they right. serve has to yep. be on it. So no, the thing is, if, if Nova Corps is taken over by mutants, it's not going to Yeah, but they by. could
0: fund it. Fund it. Fund it, okay. yeah. So, so before we get into yeah. this funding yeah. discussion, and Harry's going to start, because it's time. I just want to point something out about the data page here, which is actually could have easily been a data page in Guardians of the Galaxy, because it has mm-hmm. many Guardians of the Galaxy characters, which is that Ewing has done this very clever thing where he is... Um, solidifying who the galactic players are and he's putting a face on every major galactic yeah. player such that when they appear in any book we either get that character or the character specifically refers to another character that is usually the face, and he does that really well in both of these issues. And if you go down, you will notice how many of them are cast members or at least participants in Guardians of the Galaxy. So he's doing this dual clever thing where he's Mm -hmm. naming all the cultures galactically we need to think about, and then he's also making sure that the representatives are turning up in Guardians of the Galaxy in a way that almost makes it akin to a Nova book, in that it's got Mm -hmm. representatives from every planet. And so that's the scene we roll into here, this council scene where we've got all of the major society very intriguingly including a Wakandan representative because of everything that happened in Coates' Black Panther run that Wakanda is now an intergalactic empire even Mm -hmm. though they are based on Earth. Nova's there as a representative of the Nova Corps, but he's not there representing Earth. Peter Quill is there representing Spartax. He's half Terran, half-Earther, but he's not there representing Earth. But Wakanda is kind of there in an analogous way to the mutants representing Earth, which is when the first of three big bombshells drop in this, which is that Mysterium is going to be the mutant's way of restabilizing but also gaining control over the galactic currency. Turns out the mystery all along was capitalism. For that, (laughs) more on that, (laughs) we will pitch to Harry.
3: I don't know how to follow that up because I think you just said it the best. But yeah, so it's it's kind of a letdown. I mean, it's like this first issue has all these cosmic, like just like larger than reality things happening. It turns out the prize they got was better metal that they're going <laughs> to use to sell to the galaxy. Look, like That is exciting and cool on the um, big galactic drama crossover that Ewing's doing with all his books. Like that is interesting. But it is kind of like it does feel like a little bit smaller scale than what the first issue hinted at. Uh, that said, it's a cool idea, and it just shows that like this book is moving things along, and it's not afraid to like change this whole galaxy status quo, which got me excited, and it makes me feel like this book is going to have a lot of interesting like mutant commerce in space uh, in events happening space. Which, in space, which is just like really exciting. So. It's not the strongest part of the issue, but I liked it and um, I want to, I just hope this gets followed up on.
0: Well, Tyler, you've been very closely following the Mysterium mystery. What did you think about the mystery of Mysterium being
2: capitalism? I, I was surprised. Um and not in a good way. I was like, oh, wait. So they had all these mutants, and it's just a mining operation to do that. So I was like,
3: surprised. Like, no, no, no. It's really strong. Trust me, this is really good metal. <laughs>
2: but um, I mean, I feel like there might be something more to it than just you know, um, just being like a really strong uh, metal, and and the fact that the yeah. mutants are distributing it throughout the galaxy and the galaxy is using it um you know it, it might come back to play like sometime later hopefully um so we, we shall see but i have to give i have to say this and i think beta will agree how good looking is frenzy uh, well, in her she, gala, I feel ridiculous
0: completely justified that frenzy was my number one gala yeah. costume pick because she they Shidi is drawing the hell out of her in this issue. It looks so good. Totally, totally justified. So two for now on the Mysterium mystery.
1: So um I wanna like start off with by saying Frenzy. Like, you know, it was like I was like salivating, like how good looking she looked, like, you know, and then I was like super into it. Um, you know, just the same way how I was into how uh, how awesome Magneto looked last week. Um, so a couple of things. Like I think, like a Mysterium to me, it made sense because it's kind of like the equivalent of the flower, but for space. Space, mm-hmm. like you know, because you can't like these aliens don't care about flowers. You can't yeah. get them with that. So I thought that it was it made sense, and it, I also think that it's not just strong, but it's probably going to have some kind of uh, nanotechnology in it that they can spy on them, or it yeah. just things are gonna break and they're gonna find it. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just laughing my ass off when the Pakandr like, yeah, not impressed.
2: I know. Like <laughs> they were, they this is were the second
1: time. They were, this is the time. <laughs> they were like dead. Better. I'm sorry. Like yeah, they're just dead. Pad like not impressed at all. Like you know, they they're the one who already conquered, uh, conquered like galaxy. Like they have the yeah. Wakanda. and then they also have like the, They've been dealing with this with a metal that's their thing yeah. for so long. <laughs> We've and been, doing, like, this we yeah, been doing
3: this for millennia. Like, yeah, millennia. And they're like go,
0: when somebody like go, you know, <laughs> takes a New Yorker to another city, and they're like, oh, you should try the pizza here the new yorker's like mm-hmm, sure mm-hmm. I'll yeah, try yeah, yeah.
1: So, yeah yeah, yeah mm-hmm. exactly yeah. you know it's, it's exactly like that they're like mm, yeah okay like <laughs> oh, all right what do you want us to do about that like you know yeah, yeah. and i kind of really enjoyed it because of the fact that the wakanda is also kind of in a way a metaphor of like african like you know what would africa be without coloni- colonization mm-hmm. and like there's like a few Af- afrofuturism and all of that and i think codes have done such they a, like can want like a great job in terms of expanding that so i felt like it was like a two different metaphors kind of coming close together and then i was just love loved that that one of them just told the other nah like you know <laughs> but uh, <laughs> and, and then the uh brand just straight up looked like a p- space pirate like yeah. that's her like you know with the with the skull and everything when with the with the sp- eye she she's like yeah i'm gonna be the pirate that's <laughs> true before it yeah, and I thought that that was like a big power move. Like you know, that's yeah. like a big dick energy right there.
3: Yeah, it really was.
2: <laughs> well and This kid, this kid is basically is like, she. I mean, I I think they are basically just like um, embracing the you know the 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 facts that you know I am who I am. I don't care. I don't conform to anything. You know, I mean, I. I want to look a little bit like a girl. I look like a girl. I want to be looking like a boy. I look like a boy. You know, that's, that's how, that's who I am. I mean, that's empowering. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and, and and it's so self-confident. It's like, just roll out in the wheelchair and it's like, oh yeah, by the way, this is the medal.
1: Yeah. I have, uh, in my head canon that he actually told Shuri about the medal and Shuri was not impressed. And then he decided to become more confident when he appeared and still the Wakandans were not impressed. (laughs)
3: damn
2: it i can't win they can't
1: get them (laughs) they're like okay
2: but this this here this here is the reason why humans should feel threatened it is not because the mutants terraform mars in a day it is about losing control of the entire solar system yeah, we have and money now. That should be the yeah. issue. You're worried about.
1: <laughs> so, so can we can we talk about that now, or is that well, not another point? Let me
0: let me let me move us into that. So, okay, I I just want to say that again. All credit to Tony Easy Coats. The. The ability to have a Wakandan representative here and to so quickly establish that icy kind of moment, that means that Wakanda has been incredibly well redefined. You know, you hope for that when mutants show up in another book. Usually it's kind of like people get it a little bit wrong. Things don't line up. And sometimes it takes Mm. a really strong portrayal in one line to make it easy for an author in another line to have somebody speak in such a shorthand. And to me, that's a victory of editing across Marvel And writing across marvel and that's what you want to see right you want to see that characters Mm -hmm. are so bold and so indelible that they work no matter where you have them appear but you know this conversation first of all i have to talk about the capitalism thing for a second it kind of i mean it was a little bit of a letdown for me but i do think there's a little bit something more to mysterium that we've yet to find out it kind of feels like in a video game or a board game where you're gathering one resource and then all of a sudden it's like gather this other resource but it's like mechanically maybe it's a little bit different in gameplay but you're just gathering it to build more stuff you know it kind of mm-hmm. felt like that to me like okay we have flowers now we have mysterium so i'm really yeah. hoping that the mysterium is something other than just providing aid i know that they're getting it in a different way than they're getting the flowers but They're still using a mutant machine. They're still using it to disrupt markets. They're still using it to gain control over other people. And I get that that's thematic, and we're trying to show as it is below, it is also above here with Mm -hmm. what they're doing on Earth and in the galaxy. But I just, I have to hope that there's something more to the ramifications of it. I mean, think about it. They've been taking the Mysterium from a lot of places where they shouldn't be, whether that's in our galaxy or in alternate dimensions. Are they depleting a resource across all dimensions in order to gain a material advantage here? What does it mean that it's from all of those Mm -hmm. other dimensions? What's the ramifications when WizKid molds together a bunch of Mysterium from a bunch of different dimensions to make the whole of a ship? So, I, you know, Ewing is no slouch. He is the least slouch, I think, of all of the Marvel writers (laughs) when it comes to thinking about the things like this. So even though Mm -hmm. I have a fundamental (laughs) disappointment that mutants have become pretty much all about capitalism in the year of our Lord
2: 2021,
0: (laughs) I uh, I do have a hope that Ewing has got a little extra something up his sleeve. But this conversation culminates in a little bit of an argument with Wakanda and also with the late arriving Doom, fashionably late as always, about like who can even speak for the soul system because who can even speak for Earth? I mean, should Wakanda speak for Earth? I, Doom, yeah. could equally say I would speak for Earth. But guess what, kids? I'll tell you who's going to speak for Earth in Storm. In an utterly magnificent page, we find out what we all predicted that Aurora Monroe is the ruler of the soul system. She enters in grand fashion, making full use of her Hellfire Gal outfit. Freya, what do you think of it, of Storm being the regent of our solar system? And so this is, it must be said of the Iraqans.
1: Right. So mm-hmm. the thing is, this is kind of, comes back from the Exosword, where she defeated death, and thus became, like, Iraq and Right, because like, the death card
0: in tarot is transformed. Right. It doesn't mean dying, it means transformation
1: right so that's I think that's when they like they are like ooh she should be the queen and yeah. then for finally for her because we have always t- called her like you know queen or goddess and it always kind of came because by the way of Wakanda but now she's queen on her own rights and it's like how far we have come from like the days when it's like ah, I can't lockpick this like too like <laughs> I am I am the soul I so,
3: control the universal and I, con- yeah, I
1: control the universal <laughs> universe now but I think it comes to the thesis statement of what Kat said that I hoped that we could do it together Mm. because I feel like this is when I kind of went anti-mutant it's like okay who made you boss like you cannot do this you this is not going to be accepted and you know that it's not going to be accepted so why are you doing this and that just I think a lot of the time comes from brand being brand like you know it's and she actually is not a human as well, like, you know, he, she, I mean, she never lived on Earth, so she doesn't know what how Earth works. And she's making decisions for Earth in a way, like, you know, and then doing all of this. And to me, it's very sad. I would be sad to say this is potentially the way Hickman does things. That he always moves things back how he found it. And this is kind of the middle part that we are seeing. Where it's like this will be the undoing of mutants going forward, and I was like, oh, like this is literally the moment where it's like Avengers World. We're gonna stamp, put the uh, put the Avenger flag, and that was the middle, and then it all went downhill from that. So I feel like this is kind of one of the moments. So I did not necessarily felt any rara on it because I'm like, you're kind of doing the same thing as you are trying to run away from and it's not going to end well for you Harry harry's the beginning
0: of the end um i mean
3: it depends on how much you want to believe the writers when they say this is a bold optimistic new era because there's always the fear (laughs) that like this is going to end with like the uh, the planet exploding Uh, i mean i took it more straight face just because this feels in line with all of the uh kind of confident or arrogant you decide m- moves that the, they've made in this era you know they make an island and then they kind of get into the world economy and now they're gonna call you know they're gonna go on mars and it feels like yeah they just aren't really asking for permission in that way but i don't feel like we're fully tipped over into there's no coming back mm-hmm. i don't think this is like we're in like the uh the third act like or the, like the the downward descent yet i could totally see it going there soon but like i still think they're relatively heroic or at least identifiable or relatable um and really just for me the biggest part was um this is the best moment of the gala this is like the best looking moment of this entire series this is some of the best stuff skeety's ever done i felt um at least it's the most bombastic and like it was just just a really amazing page uh and that was the biggest thing i took from it
1: Uh, i mean the thing is like the only reason i'm hesitant about this is because it's brand Mm. and she never lived in the house she lived lived on Earth. She never lived on Earth. She doesn't Mm -hmm. know how Earth works. Like, you know, and that is where I was like, this is always... And, you know, I know that people say that, oh, it's a bold new era and stuff, but people can... X-Men writers cannot stop getting their mouth out of Claremont's butt so it's going to go back to this original format because they just cannot yeah. stop. So even if we're doing this, I'm like, yeah, I'm just going to read it as long as it is. And then I'm going to be like, okay, I'm done with X-Men. Just the same way I was done. I'm done with Avengers. <laughs>
3: just say goodbye and take a
1: <laughs> Yeah, say out. goodbye. I'm- but yeah.
3: I, I want to believe. It's
0: healthier than me who just keeps yeah. reading it well, month after month, even yeah, if I have it's, those months.
1: that's... That's the problem with Hickman, though. It's like everything he touches after he's gone, I cannot go back and read those anymore. But Fantastic but Four, say, Avengers, X Men, done. I'm like, it never like would to reach think, that high.
3: I don't. I like to think that Hickman's not going to completely redo the uh, the arc and the level of intensity they did with New Avengers, where it all, or you know, is uh, you know, uh, Illuminati run, where like just everything falls apart. Like I, I want to think that this is going to be more lasting than that because it feels like they have the muscle and the popularity to do it. But um, you might be
2: right. I don't know. It's it's actually really... I'm not sure yet. I could see Tyler it coming way out way. I mean, I, I feel like certain things might be reversed or yeah. certain things might have a backdoor for other writers or for Marvel to decide that, hey, if I want to reverse it, I could. Because... Um, but I think... I think for, for certain things, it might be here for the long haul. Um part of it might have to do with the fact that um they're going to introduce the mutants in MCU, maybe slightly differently. And then mm. the other thing that I think is the role of Hickman right now, because he's not a rider. He's not just a rider. Mm-hmm. He's also the head of X. Yeah, so, right. and that is something that they created for him. So I, I I mean, I don't know how that's going to work out in the end. Um, I'm really hoping that it's not going to have a reset button, and you know, like Moira dies and dies for good, and then we are back to, you know, that's
1: that's what your boy Claremont, is hoping for on Facebook. No, by the way. So, I, well,
2: yeah, old I'm my boy, class.
4: like
1: <laughs> anymore, because I am actually in slowly disillusioning di- Dissolution. you you both of you like i'm no, brainwashing both of you just if
0: you want if you want everybody kidding. to know about that opinion you've got to ha- share it on tiktok uh yeah,
1: yeah. there's this kidding.
0: thing in new zealand that i didn't know about until i moved to new zealand called the governor general because we're a mm-hmm. commonwealth country that still has a relationship to great britain and the governor general is basically the appointed uh dignitary of the queen who's here mm-hmm. and they because it's uh signed the laws. Here, But it's a symbolic position. Technically, our New Zealand government appoints all the, you know, makes all the laws, makes all the decisions. They can't say no to things, but they're here symbolically. And the history of it is interesting, because even though um, the New Zealand government long had the right to basically make recommendations or have a say in it, they didn't for many, many years. And for a long time, it was somebody who was not even born in New Zealand, who was appointed, Mm -hmm. which is crazy to think about. Now, the government actually does make recommendations back to Britain, and usually it's somebody who is a, a New Zealand citizen, who was born in New Zealand, who is this governor general, and they um, but again, they're largely symbolic in nature. And I think living here and seeing the, the the conversations around that maybe gives me a different perspective on the storm thing that I would have had originally, which is like, just because she's the regent, does that mean she's the ruler? She's the voice for now, but She's, we don't really know what the appointment process is. and also we don't the Iraqans are still recovering from not having Genesis really as their leader. And um, Storm's a fine choice because she was one of the few that really like definitively defeated one of the yeah. children of Genesis. And so it kind of makes a certain amount of sense, even though death is now still an otherworld, that Storm mm-hmm. would be temporarily acceptable to them as an Omega mutant who's quite fit. And and who has shown her strength, right? That those that's what it takes yeah, in Iraq. Yeah. But it just makes me really interested to see if we're going to go down this path of like the X Men mutants having a sort of a colonial approach to the Iraqi mutants, and if that's going to eventually kind of fall away like scaffolding, and eventually we might have an Iraqi. But again, to Faria's same comment about Brand never really having life experience on Earth, so like how how can she comment on Earth the Iraqis? don't have any life experience on Earth either. So are you going to make an Arakan who has no life experience on Earth um, be the be the person who speaks for all of Soul. I don't know. <laughs> I think these are all really interesting questions. And ultimately, I you know the thing that will disappoint me the most and turn me against this Hickman run and all of these Hickman related books in the end will be if it's just another rise and fall story. Like no, mm-hmm. I'm uh, so bored with that. Uh, I don't, let yeah, I let, don't think let so. them be right a little. Let there be shades of darkness. Uh, let some yep. of this interfering with capitalism be altruistic. Let Storm have some good things to do as a ruler. If we're just going to put all these characters in charge only to watch them fall again. I, you know, I'm going to come out with just as negative an opinion about this whole era as I did with the Avengers era, and I don't want to feel that way. I don't like feeling that way about comics that I
1: enjoy. But that's the thing; you, it's not necessarily you and I wanting it. That's how Marvel will want it, because they always put things back to status quo. Yeah, but you
0: don't have to put all. You've of been the thinking about Journey into
3: Mystery put, yes.
1: See, right?
0: Because Journey into <laughs> Mystery, perfect example. Gillen puts yeah. all of the tools back in the box, but he never goes and says all of these people were assholes and everything they did was worthless. That's the opposite of the point of Journey into Mystery. The more the point of Journey in the Mystery is the story yeah. matters even if nobody remembers the story.
1: Exactly. I mean, that... Yep. Well, yeah. I mean, that's how the, this story will matter to me. I'm like, that one glorious moment, mutants were top of the world.
2: And I don't know.
3: This is too... Was, they've had too many books and issues to just... Yeah. They need to keep this going in well, some way. Otherwise, this is a lot of, like, yeah. stuff they've put in for no return. Well,
2: I, I feel like they... I, I feel like return, this status quo you know. is gonna be is gonna be here to stay. Certain things might change. Yeah. Like, you know, there might be a fall, but the fall of who? The fall of Xavier? Hell yeah, I think that's gonna happen. Oh, He's if, if, we, if you have if, if yeah. if yeah. read
1: Marvel Voices Pride, like you know, just the mystic story, yeah. that was damning. Like, that say, was like,
0: keep like, it saying, We'll say, say that.
1: But, yeah. but, right, but the so thing is, like, what, oh no, but the storm thing is the only thing is like, I wish she only stopped by saying, I'm the regent of Mars. Sure, mm. be the representative of Mars. Nobody's saying anything about it. But when this she said, and I'm the voice of soul that's when i lost it that's when i'm like who made you the voice of soul my good ma'am like (laughs) no
0: like we have have one more as a canadian and this is is where i gasped super super out loud because there's one very late attendee to this Mm -hmm. party and it's not the book i expected to see her in yep oh my god wanda maximoff the scarlet witch arrives after the fireworks to have an incredibly, incredibly touching and uh, important scene with her former father, Magneto, who says some pretty portentous things in the scope of semi-reconciling with his maybe daughter. Mm -hmm. Thinking, I mean, we've gone now hundreds of issues into the status quo, and Wanda was... This whole pretender thing was set up in Hoxbox, so this is one of the biggest payoff moments we've had. She was, of course, teased in Empire because she was involved mm-hmm. in everything that happened there. But it kind of just was exacerbating a mutant problem. This is the real first personal moment we've had with her. And it's it's a major one. I mean, this this is what makes this issue for me a must-read for any X-Men or Scarlet yeah. Witch fan because this, this scene is a major. So, mm-hmm. Tyler, thoughts on where this ends. You are my daughter, Wanda. You will always be my daughter. And I yep. will
2: do what I must to make make things right right. that's the part which I'm like really really curious what is he going to do is he going to kill Wanda and resurrect her and, and and see if that works like you know I don't know and 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 then the fact that this scene is here and we have a panel of this scene with Kurt being on the scene, although kind of like you know, passed mm-hmm. out, you know, it, it sort of like puts Kurt perhaps in the scene of the crime or something. Mm. So so that's the part that really intrigues me. Um I mean the, the the part which I'm a little bit unsure of is that um is the relationship between Wanda and Eric always this tender. So no. that's the part which kind of like, but, yeah, which kind of like well, took me by a surprise. Well, around House of M it
0: was, because if you think back to Avengers mm. Disassembled and like like he arrives at the mansion to like carry her away in his arms. True. And him and, and Xavier in that, exc- that deeply weird Chris Claremont, Alan Lopresti Excalibur run, yeah. uh, you know, are basically tending to her. And then, you mm. know, he's very tender with her in House of M itself was just reflective of the fact that she really feels protected by him from the for the first time maybe ever and so she incorporates Mm -hmm. him as the ruler of this whole reality because she actually feels like she's a part of his family now we haven't really seen that since then but if we're going to go back and re-legislate a bunch of house of m ramifications Mm -hmm. yeah i think it's pretty damn smart to take us back to the Mm -hmm. point where wanda and and eric are tender with each other harry what do you think about all this uh, you know, it's
3: I also find interesting that this uh series uh book ends with these um kind of different characters than the typical cast, besides my new but like um i think it was just a really interesting emotional beat because it is such this odd um kind of family dynamic where they're not i believe yeah they're not blood anymore because there's the retcon with the inhumans Mm -hmm. and but they still like it's they're still family in a weird way like they treat each other with that kind of like like emotion and kind of honestly not often because it's magneto but like they can get there like that and um yeah you could almost read the ending like they're going to find a way to retcon her back into being a mutant. Like, you're my daughter. We'll make this right. It's almost and, the uh, same
0: thing that Hickman said on Twitter when people were like, yeah. Sinister's not a mutant when he was announced that nobody knew about the books. Yeah. And he said, yeah. watch me work. And then he deleted the tweet. <laughs> and now Sinister's a mutant. So it's kind of the yeah, same thing. Thing. Ah!
3: We're just going to do it. You know what? Like, if you if you just got to fix the retcon, like, I'm totally fine with that. Just get that mm-hmm. back to normal because that's just a silly thing they're hanging on to with the inhuman stuff.
0: Which well, she's uh, not so inhuman. Good. I just, but that, that's not, she's not, she got the,
3: the, uh, the high evolutionary is what it was, Yeah, but her
0: father, I I think the question is that we don't know who the parentage is. It used to be that everybody thought that she was the daughter and, and Quicksilver too of the wizard. Uh, and then Magneto being their parent, retcon the wizard being their parent, and now that's been re-retconned, so it's it's just very unclear at this point. And I'm forgetting
3: it's, that that didn't have anything to do with the Inhumans, that was just that time period where yeah. they were starting to muscle up. The yeah, uh, so yeah. that little I mean,
0: reminder tag on Uncanny Avengers right before series. Okay,
3: I'm Maria. interested for the next, for this trial of Magneto. That's the big thing. Fria. Uh,
1: so, um, there was like... Even though we've never seen it on screen, and we I don't think we ever seen it from uh Wanda as much. But the thing is, Magneto, every time Wanda is mentioned, he always gets super, super sad. Like even in Gillen's run, like you know, mm-hmm. he had this whole moment of like, mm-hmm. like his heart, like just heartbreak. Last Planet Size X-Men, he also said, Pretender, like, you know, we, let's not have another pretender, and then yeah. you can just pretty much read it in the voice. It's, it's under and, the bride. Yeah, under the breath. And then even here, it's like, and sometimes it takes two to pretend. So there is like a lot of the other things. But at the end of the day, um, Kevin Feige walked into the X office. It's like, guys, MCU, Wanda, we need to find a way to make X-Men back, make a mutant again. We want it. That's the story. And he was at the gala. Yeah. Yeah. That's why he was at the gala. Like, <laughs> he you know, was it's, it's 100%, 100% that point of view. It's it's nothing, nothing more. Like, you know, from the story point of view, I mean, it never made sense to not make her a like, mutant anymore because it turned her from, like, uh, someone who is within to cause some damage because of her trauma to a full-blown man- genocidal maniac. Like, you know, so it just... Gonna be there's going to be a lot of change that's going to happen i'm super excited to see where it goes and but i think it just uh mcu related well, I, I'm, so and execution. also i
0: and again i honestly i'm unclear at this point and if she's a mutant or not i honestly yeah. and i don't care because they've, yeah. they've made it muddy enough that if it's that hard to figure out i just don't mm-hmm. care. but right. i think make having her not be a mutant and having that for the pretender mean she's definitely not a mutant really removes a lot of quality from the Avengers runs all of these years. Like the whole point was that from the very beginning in the kooky quartet that, you know, she and Quicksilver were mutants integrated into the Avengers. They were from the brotherhood of evil mutants and they were integrated into the Avengers. So, you know, to pull like a Franklin Richardson and be like, well, it was her power making everybody think they were mutants all along, really removes a lot of high quality stories from like over 50 years of Marvel. So I, I choose to just ignore that if that's the case. But I think the really interesting piece of dialogue for me here, other than that ending speech is, Magneto e- echoes our girl Emma Frost by saying, I helped build a world today and I was happy for the children, but then I thought of my children and how I failed them, all of them. That has so many layers because he's talking in this scene about Anya, who's his, or his first child that dies yeah. and his powers are triggered. He's talking about Quicksilver and... Wanda, but he's also, in a way, talking about all of the mutants that he has fostered, his Brotherhood of Evil Mutants, his acolytes. He's done all of these things for the children, for the mutant race, the children of the Atom. That's who mm-hmm. he's always fighting for. Magneto's very rarely, only when poorly written, doing all these things f- out of ego and for himself. He always Selfish, thinks he's yeah. doing it right. Mm-hmm. He thinks he's altruistically doing it for someone. Mm-hmm. But could you know? And this could this be kind of the seed of his fall of his trial? That when Magneto says for the children he doesn't necessarily mean the same thing that the rest of the council does or the, the Emma does or the rest of Krakoa does. And that's not only because of Wanda. And is that kind of the seeds of a, of a schism to come? And I think mm-hmm. that's, that's an interesting question. All right, folks, Wolverine number 13. Let's get a slightly full reaction without getting too deep into individual plot points, which we will then progress to,
2: beginning with Tyler. Sorry, Harry. I think I'm going to say something which you are you are prepared to say too. Alright, let's just get it going. Um, Come on. <laughs> okay, I, I mean, I, I'm pretty bitter that this story gets drawn out over two issues while another much, much, much better book has to be cancelled with less than two issues notice. Like, mm. why?
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Why? It's obnoxious. Yeah. So, to be fair this is a perfectly good issue of X-Force with some Marauders mixed in. There's just not Wolverine. I'm not sure why this is here. The art is okay. Okay,
3: so I know that this book was pitched as kind of like, you know, a return to more normal kind of standard Wolverine stories, like something familiar for the line. That's how I always interpreted it. Um, but this isn't even a good version of that. And like, just the fact that like we have this big, month of interconnecting stories and like a lot of like they're trying different stuff out you know it's not all working not all the issues are great but they're experimenting and they're doing different stuff and it's like different perspectives and then meanwhile you just have this dry as dust like super just just straightforward kind of boring wolverine story that like doesn't really feel like a wolverine story doesn't really feel like x-force there's a little bit of marauders and like it just it's so underwhelming um i I, I guess like structurally it's fine and it works, but like just considering what it's all stacked up with, it just it's not even close. Um I'm pretty down on this issue.
0: Yeah.
1: I saw this one comment in some location where someone said that I'm only following X-Men, X Force, and Wolverine and I dropped X Core, <laughs> Sword, and X Factor. Since seeing that, I have been seeding in anger about Wolverine. Oh, like about <laughs> existence of Wolverine, including Laura and Gabby. Like all of them. I just, no. Having said that, this is an X-Force issue. This should be an X-Force issue. And there are some really good elements in it. First of all, Swamp Thing is now a Marvel character. (laughs) (laughs) Who who, who knew? Uh, The second thing, I am very sure Mystique killed Kristen. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, I am 100% sure. And that's also very much lines with Jason Aaron's reign where Mystique is kind of one of the bad... Uh, like, you know, the bad guy that he's hunting down, I thought that that's kind of where it's going with this. So that's kind of, like, you know, sort of interesting. Sage suddenly became a character, like, out of, like, you know, after being just a tech-savvy person, now she's like, I'm in charge, get away from it, Beast. And there is a reason Deadpool continues trying to get into Krakoa. And I really, really hope they pay us off. And I'm going to talk about it later. So based on that, there's something, but this should not be an Wolverine issue. You
3: made made this sound great. That sounds like so much better than what I read. Wow.
1: (laughs) If you look at it as an X-Force issue, sure. Exactly.
0: Well, here's the thing. I, I largely agree with Freya. This was a pretty good comic (laughs) book. It wasn't a Wolverine comic book. Wolverine is on six of 20 story pages here, not counting the data pages. In X-Force, two weeks ago, he was in seven of 20 pages. So I don't understand why you wouldn't, other than that Kassar drew that, and I think Scott Eden draws this, I don't know why you wouldn't just switch them. Percy wrote both of them. (laughs) Kassar can draw Wolverine. Wolverine is in the other issue more, and also, he felt like more of a force in the other one. Like, he... He had more to do with the Shi'ar diamonds. here, But now we're getting into plot things. I'll say, I think this looked really good. Scott Eaton, to me, is, like, always on this razor edge. I think it has to do with who inks him. Sometimes he draws these really well-defined, kind of, very kind of grounded-in-life characters that I really enjoy seeing. Sometimes everybody kind of just looks like a, a boring blob. And I think that this is really <laughs> good, Scott Eaton. I think it's colored really, really well. This is Matt Wilson coloring, I think. Yeah, like which he's been on this title, although not every issue. I mean, it, mm. if you have Matt Wilson coloring you, your book is going to look good. So this has a lot of things going for it. And honestly, as an X-Force comic, it's great. It pays off stuff that's been happening yeah. since the first arc of X-Force. So like, I get that in an event, there's some horse trading that goes on and some people mm. kind of move their plots around, but it just seems like poor planning to me that there's no actual book where Wolverine matters. And just, 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 just double shift <laughs> X-Force. Like, why? 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 What? Maybe some of these plots are going to move into being Wolverine plots, which would be cool because the plots in this book so far suck.
2: Mm-hmm. But uh,
0: I, I just don't <laughs> understand. I don't understand. No, I mean,
2: that's my point, right? Like, Faria complained that um, Marauders has nothing for the health, for the, the Hellfire Gala uh, issue of Marauders, did nothing. Mm-hmm. So why do we have a Marauders subplot here? that should have been there
0: well even three-page kind of had a Marauder
2: subplot because it
0: was all about yeah
2: yeah I mean, I understand that maybe you know Percy and, and and Dugan are buddies, and they are, like exchanging certain things. And 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 per, uh, and Dugan is like, oh, can you put in these three pages in your Wolverine because you have two issues to to really you know work in a one issue story that doesn't have to be spread out into two issues, um, and you know whatever. But um, I mean, I, I that's the thing. Like, I don't want to be down on a really good issue. Because I really think that there's a lot, there's a good payoff here, but, but I just like I'm just bitter about this whole thing, like, you know, like yeah, this is part of X Force. Just keep it in an X Force. Why are we having Wolverine? Why are we robbing another good book of potential money? Because you know exactly. That's That's the the thing. thing. Yeah, just do another. There's an an
0: argument to be made that I don't want to have be lost on us that during an event like this there's a certain amount of osmosis between books it's low pressure systems and high pressure systems and the plot around and i don't think any one of us is necessarily saying this book is bad because it touched on plots from other books actually i think a lot better than marauders or x-force did i think of the three this is the best one uh but i think we're Uh, we're expressing that frustration of like why bother to sell it under wolverine does that doesn't this show off how creatively bankrupt this wolverine title has been but let's get (laughs) into the actual plot of this and i want to Mm -hmm. start it with Freya. so it seemed like based on x-force that this book was going to be a lot about wolverine's Continuing fight with Deadpool. Deadpool. I mean, it's on the <laughs> cover. <laughs> yeah. um, Wolverine, however, doesn't fight with Deadpool at all here. Deadpool m- is mysteriously absent, and if you line up the times, there's like an hour or two time gap. Where I guess he's just burning on the beach after the Domino's yeah, the yeah, then yeah, regenerates back at the last possible second. Uh, really has very little plot consequence here, but contributes a rambling and honestly intriguing database at, at the end, making his case for being allowed on Krakoa. So what are your thoughts on, on Deadpool here in this world So
1: So in Kelly Thompson's Deadpool, he tried to come in because he thought that the flower is going to cure him of cancer. That's what he keeps on saying. You know, he kept on rambling about that. And then Emma Frost is like, no, we can't cure cancer. maybe that's a thing now. And uh. get off the island, you know. But he keeps coming back, and the reason for that is his daughter Ellie is a mutant yeah. who is currently in witness protection mm-hmm. in Arizona with, uh, like, you know, with an ex-shield agent. And I'm pretty sure he's trying to come to Krakoa to figure out what Krakoa is and how Krakoa is operating, so he can make a decision as a dad whether he can bring his child here.
0: Nailed it. If. That, I really hope that's the book. If
1: that is the thing that pays off, I will take back everything I said bad about Wolverine.
0: Like, don't go that Mr. far.
1: Pers- Mr. Percy, if you can get that, and if, if B- Percy doesn't do it, Dugan should end all his friendship with him because these are all Dugan's Deadpool oh, Or Dugan friends. could do Percy it.
4: Over.
1: <laughs> yeah, friendship
4: <laughs> no, over. Done. Like, you know,
1: like, it's, exactly. There is a concept in Bangladesh which says that, you know, I'm cutting with, like, you know, cutty as in like, I'm done. Friends, no more friends. We do it as a children, like, you know, great. Wow. Like, bef- before preschool, like you know, in preschool and stuff. Like that so i feel like they should do it like just go like mm, never again with, talking with your to pinky you, the official with thing? your pinky <laughs> no, and with your <laughs> thumb with your if you do it with your thumb then you're back as friend but if you're doing it as your pinky then you're done like you know you're done no more friends and we used to do like this like three times a day with the same person <laughs> because as <our> children <laughs> so, gonna happen but the thing is like I was actually just fascinated by that because he just kept on rambling and he's actually kind of became this where he realized that if he kind of puts himself as like a buffoon people don't take him seriously and he can actually go into places and do things that others will not suspect mm. so i feel like there's a particular reason he's specifically acting as a buffoon not to mention he also knows these people and he knows that he can't just go straight face but he's actually going there as an undercover to figure out if this is the perfect daycare for his kid well Good the dad.
2: story that you were talking about happens in deadpool issue six so uh-huh. yeah so i mean just wanted to point yeah, out if no, and, if people haven't read it it's actually very entertaining yeah. It's, it's you know, very good. And yeah. it's about
1: Kelly Thompson screaming at ex-office that she's no longer writer. Mm, I'm telling you. It's, it, <laughs> well, that's, that's, that's what that's it is. Spoilers. That's... Kelly
0: Thompson now gets to write Spider-Man, so I think there's a happy ending in this for everyone. Yeah. yeah, that's
1: true.
0: Uh, <laughs> any other comments on Deadpool?
3: Go on. I, right. I think that's really optimistic about Deadpool. I just, <laughs> I found this to be, like, it's not the worst Deadpool voice. It's perfectly fine, totally acceptable, but, like, I'd rather someone else kind of resolve this thing with his daughter if they were to go forward, because, like, I like a good Deadpool voice, and this isn't there yet, Uh, but you know, maybe you can get better.
1: Dugan is the only one. Dugan's
3: good.
0: (laughs) I want to now highlight a different plot point that I'm going to turn over to Tyler. So, this has two threads that are kind of being braided together. One is the Terra Verde thread from the original X-Force arc that, we, you know, where Beast kind of like um, put his own programming on top of their Mm -hmm. programming, not only to observe what they're doing, but also to suppress their Plantinals, as our uh, colleague, Zach Rabaroff has deemed them. But then also the plot from X Force earlier this month, where Emma pretty much just puts her diamond heel down and says to Sage, who you have to remember that Emma has a history with, uh, Mm. like, are you, are you seriously doing this? Like, are really, really? And Emma almost kind of like deputizes Sage to go and then kick Beast's ass on her behalf to be like, this is not what we're doing now. Uh, Emma, both as the party planner and as a member of the council and as, you know, Sage's former queen. So there's layers. Dang it. (laughs) So I want to just turn over this whole bundle of plot to Tyler to try to make some sense of for us and to let us know if we've missed anything interesting.
2: Well, initially I was thinking, when did Beast reprogram the Terra Verde Telephonics? Because um, he reprogrammed it, he messed it up, the entire country got taken over, and it took the combined force of Sage, Jean Grey, and um, uh, Black Tom to to basically you know um, Trojan horse in as a sort of a vi- as a bi- bio virus to kill it. So and the stories end there, and apparently not because bees <laughs> basically you know, off panel uh and off data page, reprogram the Terra Verde um telephonics after Xforce issue 10. Oh, is that your read that there was like yeah. more re- re-reprogramming? I'm pretty sure that's the case, unless, you know, the whole um Trojan biovirus thing um basically allows these to take control of it. So and and my, my read initially was that the entire population of Verde was being wiped out and um apparently not in this issue. Because after they hand over the control back to to Verde himself, one of the ambassadors was like drinking with Wolverine in, in Green Lagoon. So so there was there was this part which was kind of confusing for me and it actually made me go back and reread some parts of the um the original arc uh, in X-Force. So and um I mean a few things here that I thought was kind of satisfying, the slap that Sage gave Beast was pretty satisfying <sighs> because he has been really condescending to the entire X-Force except for Gene because he could uh, he could I mean Jean basically you know um, gave it to him and yeah. um, and then the other thing um, happens like towards the end where he argued with Emma and gave his reasoning it's like you know hate me I'm doing this for the good of Krakoa and this <laughs> is the part that this, but this is the part that I think is really good because um, part of it is that he's I, my read is that part of it he's, is that he's drunk on power and part of it is because there was a time when the mutants were nearly wiped out and he could not do anything to help. He tried. He tried consulting with the brains. Mm-hmm. He tried consulting with the villains. Nothing was done. Not He, he couldn't do anything. So... So, I feel like you know in this era, he's doing both he's 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 drunk on power for sure, but he's also being preemptive he's he's afraid that you know the mutants are gonna end up like that again,
1: like for yeah <laughs>
2: <laughs> no but i mean yeah i mean that that's the part which I thought was um well it was, it was really good and i mean of course the marauders part plot um that part i think we can hand over to someone else to talk about it
3: i i mean the that scene is like solid uh the the scene with beast being like just completely full of himself but yeah. like it is different than other arcs where i mean other stories where they kind of in this more uh, nebulous place because even like his, co- his co-workers his are like you are the worst like we really don't like working for you so it's like it's pretty like textual now that just beast is just kind of like a pain in this series so like I kind of like it more weirdly now so I'm just kind of curious to see where it goes next it's way funnier to see all of his co-workers just like oh yeah our boss is
0: the worst well and we've <laughs> mentioned it many times but intercut with this is the Marauder's ship uh, with Christian at the wheel he is murdered Tossed off the ship, and the ship, presumably with the Shi'ar diamonds that were loaded onto it, disappears into the inky waters of the night to be relocated somewhere, much to Emma's surprise, which feels like a huge setup, and it'll be interesting to know where that Mm -hmm. uh, winds up being played out, whether that'll be in X-Force, in Marauders, or maybe even in Inferno, since it seems like the odds on person to have done that is Mystique. Uh, yep. I want to now wrap this so up, though. One, no. oh, go one ahead. thing I
1: want to mention, though, that Mystique actually put herself into different parts of the gala throughout the different time-stamped. She time-stamped herself, and trying then... Trying to establish an alibi. Yeah, trying to establish an alibi, and then she just kind of went off. The other thing to mention, though, so based on what uh, Tyler was saying, like, this is where they, uh, Krakoa as a nation have done two things that all nations should go through, is, like, violently take over a random colony and then give reputation, reputation, like reparation and then having to give reparation for that. And then also, I feel like every country needs a villain that who will do things that are really reprehensible, but it's like, hate me, but it needs to be done and I'll do it. And Why
3: Beast is turning into Ozymandias? Exactly like it's the same kind of exactly. He's, he's he's
1: no he's he's becoming Ozymandias in the same same like same way like you know, um like it can be said about certain organization in the United States as well. Like well, you know, I want to talk if, for a
0: second as our last point about the reparations fact, and I want to start that with with Harry and everybody can jump in, which is that there's a little bit of a sense here, which I think is significant that this is maybe the first 100. percent true and irrevocable loss that Krakoa has suffered all along. They did something they shouldn't have. They went somewhere they shouldn't have been. And based on this diplomatic motion in Sage's logbook, here are the reparations. Krakoa is paying $1 billion U.S. billion for economic and emotional damages. Mm-hmm. X-Corps will disregard all pharmaceutical and technological copyrights, as it re- uh, refers to the telephoronic technology. And they do not have to participate in a Krokoan trade deal. And uh, in exchange for all of that, Terra will not expose what... Krakoa has done this is more than a slap on the hand like this is a even if they have an endless score <laughs> of money even if they don't need those patents this is a big L in the column for Krakoa Harry what do you think yeah. about that all of this beast stuff kind of resulted in their first loss I mean that's what I
3: find interesting is that like this is definitely the biggest loss they've had but even in Hickman's gala issue you have Namor, uh, Namor rejecting Xavier Magneto so there's just been this more trend to show that Krakow is having some some losses just as mm. many wins as it mm. kind of got in the beginning and uh, I think it kind of grounds it in a way that makes it uh, you know kind of like more solid for the story as a whole but um I'm not sure exactly where it's going to go next
1: it's a rite of passage of building a country mm.
3: like you know that's how
1: that's how you look <laughs> well, at it it, it actually the, yeah what would be interesting
3: we, is it'll introduce it could introduce like um kind of are you gonna enforce your laws because at this point i'm starting to believe more now the beast could actually get some kind of like pit time because he really <laughs> has now caused like i can see him now getting to the point where they might actually like try him for something but yeah. we'll have to see it yeah, been we more,
1: no i was just saying it's going it to been better if like someone else enforced that on him rather on them on Krakoa rather than Krakoa themselves saying that we're doing all of this. Like, I feel like that would have made it a little bit more, the loss feel more uh, stronger versus, oh, we're not gonna let them be uh, like, you know, in the Madripoor port by UN. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I wish this was the one that UN is like, I mean, even though the, the whole thing is a like, whole sack whole thing is like, oh, we're not going to expose you. But the thing is like, it should have been that this got out and got a hold of it and they're like yeah no and i think that would have made sense and that would have not be like oh my god humans are anti Like, oh my god humans like you know people are holding these asshole mutants under like you know uh for things that they have done and beast going to the peak because of this all
0: right folks that is our discussion on
2: wolverine issue number 13 if you want to yeah can i interrupt i'm so oh, sorry no what what <laughs> no, did we just- miss no, we we didn't really miss anything, but um we we're talking when we are talking about Mystic being the one who killed Frost, right? I feel mm. like um she's still missing one piece here. So my my theory is that she's trying to get the logic crystals to um Sinister. And because Sinister as a as a bride to Sinister, because Sinister is trying to build his own farm. Mm. Mm. And De- and, and, and of course, you know, to what she's trying to get back is destiny. So now what they are missing right now is a telepath who can put destiny's backup back into destiny's body.
1: You know who's someone who's next to a telepath right now in a team? Bro, She's next to at one of the, like, you know, one of the telepaths. Get our <laughs> Do a Captain Marvel with her. <laughs>
2: Well, that's one thing, and then suffering. well, that's one thing, right? And then the other thing is that the cuckoos might have awakened a rogue telepath. Oh, that's possible. That
1: that that chick who's a mutant yeah. now.
2: Maybe. Yeah. maybe, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so so, Very I mean, so, so, so that's. I mean, this is part of the reason why I think this issue is good. um You know, these two things: the beast part and this whole mystery thing, which. Theoretically, should be a Marauders and X-Force. <laughs> anyway.
0: Well, that, I mean, um... it, it goes to show, though, that we really do need to do a whole episode of Tyler's Receipts after we get done the Gallup, <laughs> because there's a lot of things that uh, Tyler Tyler's ever-watchful eye has noticed that I don't think all of us have. But guess what? That's all for our discussion about Wolverine number 13. A brief content note for Wave X, we are going to talk, frankly, about sex, sexuality, and sexual positivity over the course of this discussion. So if that's something that you do not feel safe being a part of the discussion of, we understand. And we will see you again next time on This weekend X. For Wave X number three, we're going to begin with Tyler to get a fuller initial reaction without, as I always warn us, getting too deep into the plot because we certainly have a lot to talk about there.
2: Yeah, I mean, just when you think it could not be any more worse on Krakoa. <laughs> this issue happens <laughs> um, I mean a I like bit. that this book not only explores the shortcomings of um, Krakoa but also shows the fallout from a failure to address or even simply being aware of such issues to begin with um, you know um, as a little bit of an aside this book also reward people who reads the entire line of X books while being accessible to people who just read this book which I mean honestly speaking, in during the Reign of X, a lot of titles do not do that. They sacrifice the pe- I mean, they sacrifice people who actually read across the line and just focus on like, you know, people who collect one line itself, which I think is something that is that needs to be corrected, mm-hmm. if only for myself harry
3: i feel like the first two issues kind of had a stronger cohesive message and kind of execution this felt a bit more all over the place and just not a lot of it worked for me like like on a deeper level that i had from those first two issues this this did feel like a less focused spurrier which can happen often i like him a lot but like you could there when it's when it's a little off kilter you can really feel it and um it it, that's what this feels like so i liked it but it's it it
0: just feels different. All right, Freya, you are our most enthusiastic, positive on this. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about that.
1: I'm beginning to realize that Way of X and New Mutant is the book for me because this does not deal with... Because at the end of the day, why are we creating the mutant nation? Like, what's the purpose of it? It's to for the mutants to live happily. And new, new Mutants and now Way of X has shown the the decisions that the councils have made have not worked across the board. And this is another version of it, that the three laws that was created is not working for them. And this is supposed to be a New Mutant era, a New Mutant thing, but guess what? We got Mars! Nobody cares. They don't care. Lost doesn't care. Like, you know, Lost doesn't care um, that weird looking chick from New Mutant. She doesn't care. Like, Anole doesn't care. None of them care. And the thing is, who are you doing it for them? Who are you doing it for? Like you're leaving the same, very same people you're supposed to be saving and protecting. And you're doing it like you're just, you know, you're settling them with weird rules and no, no way to save themselves. It's, I felt like this is what it feels to live in America. And this is in full display written by a British man. And I am here for it. I, I just, I really, there was a lot of things, there was some things that didn't work, but overall I was just like blown away. And then the very first page over here shows why the Hellions were not invited. Like it was, it took, it, 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 like, oh, in a lot of ways it worked really well for me.
0: I was so hyped the first time I read it. It really, I think it is similar to Freya. It hit a lot of beats that I've been waiting for an X-Men book to hit and we're going to talk about all of them. But then when I reread it to make my notes, it just, much of it doesn't really hang together for the characters or for the direction some of these plots are going into it kind of feels like that thing about Spurrier that I never used to like before the last couple of years where I really feel like his writing has become so much tighter and I've read a lot of his writing it just feels like he made this list of things he wanted to hit some of which were a little unusual or a little funny or a little mm-hmm. bit um button pushing and he hit them kind of regardless of how it plays for the, these characters so we were going to have sex and we we're going to have sex positivity and we were going to have sex negativity and we we're going to have abandoned babies and we were going to have the, and then like the way that <laughs> got deployed to the characters it got deployed to kind of really um, rubbed me in a, in a negative way. And I think that I still came out probably net slightly positive on it, but I have seen a lot of people who found a lot of the things in this issue to be really negative, a net negative, ultimately really traumatic. And it makes me really question, like, can you be this glib about something that is so intersectional for so many different identities that people see of themselves in a book? You know, Spurrier got away with being this glib and even more glib in his Hellblazer run because he's A, on the inside of that as a British guy, and B, it was kind of make all that was punching up at the British culture at brexit at monarchy at mm-hmm. all of those things so he could get away with putting things in like sex with mermaids right like that that's fine <laughs> but here it turns out that a lot of it kind of winds up punching down and also being a little incoherent and that's where Sparrier's really on a knife edge of 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 just being a bad writer for me so it's like I, I think we're going to get into that, some of that in our discussion. And um, if you liked it, I'm happy that you liked it, as Free did. I think there were many positive things, but there's a lot of things, I think, dragging it down for me.
1: So can, can, can I start with something? Yeah, Exactly what you said. Like, you know, there's like a positive or negative and stuff like that. But I feel like this is one of the reasons a lot of the issues in America is not getting solved or not going anywhere because people always try to hold back People always try to doesn't necessarily put everything out there in the same conversation. Yes. And it gets like just all over. And I absolutely love the fact that over here, everything was so messy every, because the thing is there is like two sides of everything. And like, you know, in the, in a way that the fact that how they were abandoned and how the, it's not necessarily working for mutants are kind of presented in a way that felt really real life and the thing is i feel like even with the third issue of the series uh nightcrawler is still in the process of collecting information mm-hmm. and i felt like this was the information he needed to know in this messy way that hey nothing's working nothing's working i have a feel like and you know, i say that put him in like a new mutant next and then see the other horror side of that like that's <laughs> i think to me that's that's why it kind of connected with me more because it's like Yeah, it's not none of nothing's working. Like everything is broken, you know. Well, let's let's
0: stick on that Nightcrawler beat for for a round of discussion here. It's the morning after, and we really get the sense that the reason Nightcrawler has been so drunk across all of the books, and it's really fun because we get to see the reverse angle of almost all of his (laughs) drinking scenes here, and a very clever bit of storytelling from uh, from these folks is that he he really just feels burdened with. All of this information he's assessing, information he's collecting, trying to figure out how to espouse the rules of Krakoa in a way that is moral, but in a way that can actually be followed, and that he overindulges, you know, and that like the decadence is a shield for him to kind of put off these worries or to drown these worries. It's a really interesting beat to get a morning after. And I feel like a lot of the people on this morning after are feeling the effects of Trying to drown their worries in a lot of different ways, but let's stay focused on Nightcrawler here. Starting with Tyler, is this in character for Nightcrawler? How
2: do you perceive this as his function on Krakoa? Okay, for Nightcrawler, I think he is having well, since almost I think issue one, he's having a a sort of a crisis, a crisis in faith, uh, or, or something. So, so, so here he he has something which. Which he l- literally learned um hours before <laughs> before the start of the gala, and he couldn't tell anyone and he has to be dressed up nicely and, and and mingle as if nothing is wrong not nothing is wrong so so i um I feel like in some ways it is um i mean it it, it rings kind of um true to me that this is this is, um, I mean, uh, is, this is in character. And um, like Peter sort of briefly mentioned earlier, I love how that um, his appearance in many books mm-hmm. is getting reflected here. And mm-hmm. some of it is exactly the same. For example, the Haolin scene. Oh, um, loved it. Yeah. Spiro and Wells definitely pass each other notes on that scene because the word balloons are exactly the same. So like, you know, Nanny said the same thing. Sinister still said the same thing. Kurt said the same thing. And then in the Wolverine scene, uh, I mean the beast scene, which is in Wolverine, it is similar, um, in that, you know, Kurt basically pour his drink onto two Laos. Mm-hmm. And, um, I mean the, the, the thing that deviated the most was in the Excalibur scene. Um, so that was slightly different. Mm. And then in the sword scene, it is very similar as well. Um, there is, I mean, before we move on, you know, to the after, um, the morning after, um, there is one scene with Kate, which is really suspicious. Because I think Kurt caught Kate in the hatchery during Hellfire's Gala. I believe that is a hatchery. So what is Kate doing there?
0: Yeah, it's, it's the one panel that I was like... Uh, what's going on here, and especially since it came right after that Rachel panel, which, if I'm not mistaken, I don't think we've seen the Rachel panel no, yet. We have not. Which seen the makes Rachel me panel. think there's still a little bit more drunk Kurt to come in mm-hmm. X Factor. X Factor. Yeah.
2: And we have not. And I don't think we saw the um, the very first panel with um, Pixie and Magic, or the panel with Dazzler.
0: Harry, yeah. what do you think about Nightcrawler here? Is this the Nightcrawler you know in London? Hmm. Whether it is or it isn't, what do you think about this version of Nightcrawler?
3: Okay, so this is not—I've not read a ton of Nightcrawler, but like from what I've read, he's never been particularly like concerned about sex in this way, like getting kind of like troubled by the notion. Uh, But I think this book is also just making the case that he's just like experiencing this kind of uh, doubt anyway, so he's making different choices than usual uh that said it's still like i feel a kind of more shallow depiction of like maybe like a religious person's view of like that kind of sex or what have you or that kind of activity um i don't know it just it didn't really feel that deep or that like um interesting as compared to the last two issues which really did uh so it didn't really work for me um but i'll I'll, i'm fine like staying on this track and seeing what happens next i can just it's new characterization for him, but that's about it for me.
0: Well, the thing that uh, that really stuck out to me is that I'm seeing a lot of people who know, you know Nightcrawler really well, who are very well read. Have really vehement responses to how he 's being used here, and one voice I want to point people specifically to is anna Pippard. she's a doctorate in literature she hosts uh oh gosh oh golly oh wow I think it's gosh golly wow which is the excalibur podcast and she really knows her uh her Kurt Wagner and she edits uh, a a magazine or a publication called Super Sex that's about sex in superhero stuff so she's really the expert you want to be listening to here and I would she writes for for ComicsXF she has a wonderful Twitter and I, I really encourage you all to go and listen to her on this topic and I went and did that but here's my take that's purely my own crisis take on this who has Nightcrawler even been for the past decade right he was dead mm. he got resurrected and who has he really been since that resurrected resurrection You know, we can say that there was this old Nightcrawler who was so romantic, who was such a ladies' man, and we can say that there was this old Nightcrawler who was very devout, and we can say that they were both the Nightcrawler and they both intersected. But I think that Nightcrawler has been, to borrow a line from another piece of media we've all been consuming this week, he really feels like he's been charged with a glorious purpose here on Krakoa. He's meant to be looking after their whole culture. This is a level of responsibility that Nightcrawler has never had before, and we have seen him struggle with the idea of responsibility on multiple occasions when he's been made a leader or co-leader of the X-Men team Mm -hmm. or the Excalibur team, although of course he eventually matures and becomes quite effective in that way. So I actually think it's very In character for him to be working with this almost religious awe of the fact that he is meant to tend to the morality of this whole society. And that is causing him to work at cross purposes to some of who he knows himself to be. Those of us, and this is immigrant chat, as we love to point out, where three of us have been through multiple cultures different than the ones we originally grew up in. When you are placed in a new culture, sometimes you act very much in line with your values. Sometimes you can act very much counter to your values as you try to find your place in it. And I think that this is an incredibly real take on what it means for Nightcrawler to be saddled with all this, even if nobody told him he had to be. He's the person who takes that level of responsibility on. So no, I'm not ready to say this is the wrong way to write Nightcrawler. This is a grinding my gears or because I think that that kind of roots me in saying that I need Nightcrawler to always be the Nightcrawler that he was from like 1985 to 2005. And I just don't I want characters to grow and change, and I also think that he's changed in the past decade, and I also think Krakoa has changed him. So if we get to the end of this whole way of X arc, and it turns out that Nightcrawler is continuously really feeling transgressively not Nightcrawler to me, I will be ready to comment on that. But a lot of my perspective on this issue is like, I just don't know if we're far enough yet to start saying if people are being mischaracterized. Do I think mm-hmm. he gets some ridiculous lines here that don't feel very nightcrawlerly? Yes. But I'm talking about more of his his moral arc in Wave X. and and that's where I really come out feeling. So I want to toss back to Freya since she started us on this before we move on to the next topic.
1: So the thing is this is also the character who has a sister girlfriend. <laughs> maybe sister, maybe girlfriend. Like we're not going to comment on that. Yeah. I mean, I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. She she he has that. He also has a relationship with Logan. It's canon. It was on the on the cover. <laughs> I didn't forget
4: it. He said, Riddick says it's canon. And yeah, it's, even if
1: nobody else does. Yeah, it's it's there. Like you know, <laughs> so I haven't forgotten that. And then the second thing is also this also r- illustrates what happens when the I think what was he called the reproduction police, sex police, like what what, yeah. what? Um, yeah, like the you know
2: reproduction police. Yeah, like,
1: yeah, the like the sex chief or something, whatever he was called. When they are from one fraction, like and there's one rule for applies to all, because this is something that North Star point North uh, North. Sorry, not Kyle, North Star. Actually. His yeah. Kyle Kyle points out. This is very heteronormative, and he it also doesn't take into account like you know what happens to all the mutants who are like never dying, no STI, nothing to do. So and it kind of brings like and as he's going through that, I'm very happy to see that he's willing to change his view. He's having a crisis because yeah. of it. You know, he's not going around and saying that, oh, don't do that because, you know, he accepts that he was part of a religion who wasn't necessarily, you know, agreeing to all of this and he's willing to change his mind. To me, that's character growth. I mean, you know, I'm here to declarimentify the entire X series and let's begin here, like, you know, with with Nightcrawler, like, you know, just and (laughs) the fact that he's trying to change, it's a very positive thing for me.
0: And I think there's nuance in there that I don't... I mean, at least that I see, that I don't know that everybody's talking about, which is that this old, swashbuckling, romantic nightcrawler, he... um, Died. He's dead. A, he died. But B, it's... Then layer onto that somebody who knows that one of the rules he's supposed to be following is make more mutants. How does that change somebody who had that approach to romance when he's supposed to be the sex chief who's advocating (laughs) for making more mutants? And he, as this issue shows, doesn't even fully understand what he wants make more mutants to mean. Because there's Mm -hmm. a very strong argument for that. The resurrection process is making more mutants. And it's not about procreation, right? And then to Kyle's comment about heteronormative, I mean, like, there are queer couples that are having kids, even if those couples are, you know, male, male, female, female, or any combination, because you can still have children. So like, is it? The question really becomes, is it being applied in a heteronormative way? It's not to say that it um, must exclude queer couples. It's saying, is it being talked about in a way that is excluding them because it's being talked about only in this male-female get-together way when actually it should include male-male, female-female, trans-male, female, non-binary, non-binary, and everything in between. So I think there is a road that we can go down here and I think somebody's got to push Nightcrawler to get him onto the road and I don't think it's bad to do that i don't
1: and and the, the thing is though this is the, the first time i thought i found out that make more mutants mean actually make more mutants in the reproductive way i honestly thought it was by the resurrection protocol all this time
3: really so, i never but, thought they'd come i didn't think they'd commit to showing it like we just like, have so many babies like you know, i was go-
1: not <laughs> no, I, I honestly thought all this time that when they say make more mutant, they mean push that push back resurrection. Yeah. yeah, bring them back. That's how they're I, going. I, I took, I this took
3: is, it as reproductive.
1: This is what happens I, I when you're...
2: It, I took it as sexy time. Yeah, it we, I just,
3: think like,
0: many of us have been assuming time. it's been sexy like,
1: I, yeah. uh, the way it was kind of pr- said in a very clinical, or maybe it's like Hickman writing, yeah. very <laughs> clinical. Yeah, that's <laughs> You're a sexy not, Hickman no, writing. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. You know, but now, you know, he, that still he tickles all my, all my fancies. All mm. right, so I,
0: I want to move us along to a specific sexy time in this issue, which is the sudden relationship between Loa and Mercury. They make their connection heading into this gala. They have a connection at the gala They want to share an intimate moment with each other, as is their right as legal adults, apparently, at this point. And uh, they, legal consenting adults, and they, at least in Krakoa, but they're having trouble because their powers are getting in the way. So Pixie ropes in Legion, never going to go well, to give them a psychic connection so they can experience, as Mr. Claremont would say, the ultimate intimacy, psychic. But this goes very badly for them because they get way too deep into this initial moment of infatuation and it Mm. discloses things about each other to each other that ultimately they find very, very traumatic. I want to approach this with a little bit of sensitivity because I'm out there listening to the voices that I think should be listened to on this. And on one hand, you have an X-Men comic explicitly saying this (laughs) women-loves-women relationship includes sex, which is not something that Marvel spends a lot of time doing so great. On the other side, it's saying, here's this first intimate experience between these two characters, and it immediately leads to trauma. So we, we've minted, a, a, I think, new, as we've established in previous discussions, LGBTQA character in Loa, an established one in Mercury, and we're showing their their first intimate experience on the battle, and immediately it goes to trauma and sex is trauma, especially for queer people, Right. I'm not mm? making a judgment on whether it's doing either of those <laughs> things. I'm presenting you the discussion that this issue is presenting to us. So I want to go around starting with Tyler, and it'll come back to me because I have a lot of thoughts on this about the scene, their relationship, and their trauma. And if Legion is ever a good relationship coach, spoilers probably. <laughs> no. Starting and then, with I did, Tyler.
2: I <laughs> mean, oh yeah, I don't I, I did not read this as um as they well just because there are two females having sex that leads to trauma i mean it, it is pretty obvious that the trauma is caused by onslaught and so 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 i'm i'm a little bit um puzzled by that read um but taking a step back you know as a um i mean as a gay person who came from a I wouldn't say super conservative, but a rather conservative environment, which I grew up in in Singapore. Um, The thought of having sex with a man when I was growing up um, is traumatic because it's not something that the society that I know of do remember that when I grew up, I'm that old. When I I was growing up, there was no internet. (laughs) <laughs> so certain things are not as accessible as it is nowadays. So so the thought of having sex with someone which the society that I was growing up in then wasn't approving of is traumatic to me. Um, but, you know, that aside, I don't think this was meant to be read as, hey, two girls having sex for the first time. Oh, traumatic. Trauma, trauma. And no, that's not what it's saying, right? Because here, it is obviously caused by an entity, Onslaught, that is causing something that is supposed to be beautiful becoming something bad, which is basically what Onslaught does. And, and of course, Legion, not having any morality in him, knew that was going to happen and used the two girls for it. So, that was something which I think is happening in the book. But, um, you know, I don't know what the rest of the panel thinks.
3: I kind of viewed it more as just the scene that was having this bigger statement on secrets and kind of the pain they cause and what's necessary and what's not and what's kind of like, you know, things of that nature. And I just don't think it was kind of done super well. So, I did, it didn't really land with me at all. This is mm. actually like the flattest part of the issue for me. Um, I just wasn't sure. Like, it, it it could just be my issue reading it, but I wasn't sure like what the ultimate points Spurrier was trying to make with yeah. the, the the pain from that sexual scene. Like, I so I don't know. I, this is just one of the reasons the issue doesn't work very well for me because I don't feel like it builds to something that powerful uh, to me.
0: For so, yes.
1: Yeah. So the point was that to show that Legion is just as bad as Xavier. Like, you know, he maybe. yelled at yeah, Xavier yeah. last issue saying that you're bad, but then he mm-hmm. ended up doing pretty much the same thing, not necessarily caring about these uh, these characters and their feelings and then just went because he was after Onslaught. Like that's that's what he was after and he went and got it. Um, one thing I was going to say though, I'm going to introduce this new thing. You know, there's like a Bechtel test, Yeah. you know, mm-hmm. so now I'm going to introduce Faria test. <laughs> Anytime there is a situation with two people of marginalized uh, community, imagine, and this is something actually Tyler started, but I'm taking the full credit. Uh, <laughs> like, you know, uh, because he actually kind of helped me navigate through these thoughts. So it's a Tyler you test. Mm. Um, when it's like a two, two people of marginalized community is having some kind of trauma or something th- like that, make them, non-marginalized community people and does the story still works like as far as legion is concerned he's not doing this because they are queer as far as those people are concerned it's not a trauma sex trauma because they are queer it's a sex trauma because their powers are not compatible we have that issue with other characters too and it's not because oh it's a representation matter that oh we are showing it and we are not showing it it's not that it's just the story. This is the story. This is what I'm talking about. that. This is kind of like a good way of doing it. Because if we are going to hold on to all marginalized community people. That's like n- nothing bad can happen to them. There will be no stories with them. They will mm. forever be settled with being the best friends. Or the people who get killed. And people all of that. That's one of the reasons. It's so exciting with the mystique destiny. And all of that. Even though it is kind of buried the trope. But because it works, even if it's not those marginalized communities. So from that point of view, I'm actually shocked when you said that there were people who looked at it that way, because that didn't even cross my mind, you know. And I'm, I'm saying that as someone who is in the queer community. So it's, it's, to me, it's, it didn't even come up as though. To me, I was looking at a, wow, that's there is like like a, a relationship that is being portrayed that on otherwise would have been shown to straight people. Straight people, but now we're seeing it in a in a queer way. And then you know, there's like the especially the whole thing about like one of them. I'm forgetting which one. Not Mercury, the other one. Low, um That low. like she Lowell, Lowell, she was talking about how many kids she wanted, and then stuff like that. And then you know, it just like there was like this. It just shows that they're incompatible, and potentially that's all they were looking for that time. But then Legion came in and just decided to be Xavier Jr.
0: Hmm. I. I so much appreciate all three of your perspectives on this. I think they're all really, really well considered. And, and it's the discussion that you can't have on Twitter, right? And so like, and, and it's hard to have in, a, in an article where you don't get this back and forth. This is why X-Men is better when it's read together. And that's inclusive of all of you out there reading. I have three things I want to say about this that I kind of wrote some notes ahead of time because I can ramble and I want to really hit these nails on the head. So the first one is trauma is real if somebody is experiencing trauma. And if somebody's been waiting to see women loving women on the page and the first version of it that they get really explicitly in an X-Men comic ends in a horrible experience for those two people, then that's a traumatic thing for them to read. And we we have no power to dispute Mm -hmm. that, even if one of us is a part of that community and we weren't traumatized by that. And that's real. So I—that's just one thing, and you know if these had been if this had been Rogan Gambit who've pretty much had this exact interaction um, exactly to Freya's point it would play the same but it would not be the first time that we've ever gotten to see a young man and a young woman in a Marvel comic have a sexual encounter together so that's Peter's point number one
4: mm-hmm.
0: number two I understand the idea of having a certain depiction and a certain comic that is such a turn-off to you as a reader that you've got to drop the book. You have seen free, and I have this with sexual assault against women written by male creative teams and even sometimes female creative teams or I should say male and female presenting creative teams that we just tap out. And I've done that many times in the past year. It doesn't matter how good the plot point is. It doesn't matter if the sexual assault really could have happened to anybody in that situation. I, I could apply all of the Freya's law, Freya Tyler law to it mm-hmm. and I will still drop the book because for me that is is a trigger point, and I can't keep reading the book. So again, if this is one of your trigger points and you can't keep reading the book after it happened, I completely respect that because I understand that because I have that same experience with a different topic. Now my third point, and this is something that Free, I think has said possibly more eloquently than I'm going to say it. If we want relationships of every kind in the page, we can't always ask for happy endings. And not only for happy endings, but happy middles and happy starts. Okay. This is so nuanced. It has so much of the trauma of what young love is. It has so much of the trauma of what sometimes early intimate experiences can bring to you if you're not completely ready to share the things that you're sharing with the other person. It felt incredibly real to me. I had a very opposite experience to Harry read reading it. I was like really like wow like this is making me feel something really true and personal in this moment. And I'm really happy that we got to have that with Lo and Mercury rather than Gambit and Rogue, quite frankly. So I, I accept if it's traumatic to you, I accept if it's the thing that made you drop the book, but I'm also really happy that we got to have these two characters having this experience. And if you can't get past that, then hopefully this will open the door for more representation that can be happier. And so it can be something you can get past. And I hope that we can be here to welcome you back to reading it when it gets to that point.
1: And unlike Council, go- I'm going to amend our law, my law you know, just because at one point that Peter pointed out that if it's something that is traumatic, that is something a trigger point for you, forget my law. You don't have to apply that. Drop that, <laughs> drop that shit like it's odd. <laughs> like, you know,
4: but <laughs> no. if it's
1: not something that trigger pointing, but you're still something that you were, um, you're passionate about, think of it that way. Try to think of it that way. And that's something I started doing though, because a lot of the things in comics that really pisses me off And I'm trying to actually see the stories from that point of view and then trying to see if it actually make any difference. Like 40% of the time it does, you know? So I'm, I'm just saying that it's like, you know, so see, learn from us, counsel.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, let us continue into our discussion of sex on Krakoa, the Hmm. way of sex on Krakoa. Uh, Uh, with Stacy X, who I think of the panel, probably Tyler only has experience <laughs> with previously. Um, Stacey X is a mutant who using I think pheromones, pheromones.
4: Yeah.
0: has the ability to kind of push people a little bit and their emotions and she has in the past used it in a sexual way she previously yeah. was a sex worker in a brothel mm-hmm. then was briefly a member of the X-Men and Joe Casey's yeah. run on the X-Men and we haven't seen her for a while except for a little kind of I think she made like one cameo in an annual or something at some point mm-hmm. relatively recently so she's here and this whole situation is really hard to unpack but she's basically created like a safe, a cuddled safe space where people can explore their emotions for each other. But also it's an orphanage because people have been leaving babies not just inside gates, which would be the plot point that would seem to make sense, but just randomly like Moses on the riverbanks of the island. And, and on top of all that, to add one more layer onto all this, she is handing out contraception Uh, on the island, along with all of these other layers of what's happening. Now, I will disclose for the purpose of this discussion that I used to be a uh, peer teen sex counselor, and so I have a lot of actually specific training and certifications in these kind of discussions, but that was a while ago, and it was to talk about them with teenagers, but... Stacy X is her flock that she is professing this free love to is everybody on Krakaw. So I I come to this from a very specific perspective, which I will try to save until last. So let's begin this time with Faria, just so we don't always have to begin with Tyler. And talk a little bit about this whole, you can pick apart anything you want. The orphanage, the, the bower as we call it, the cuddle lounge, the contraceptives. Please so, take this from me.
1: <laughs> so who is the creator of Stacy X?
0: Is it Joe Casey?
3: I think uh, so. I think it's joke. I'll, jokes. I'll, I'll yeah. look it up. <laughs> that makes sense. I'm sorry. Yes. Oh, I mean, okay. Is, that makes okay. sense. Yeah, so yeah, okay.
1: Yeah, okay. Um. Sure. I, was, I was I was gonna lose it if you said clairmore. I'm like no. <laughs> no. It was no. She was, she was created like, by Joe Casey yeah. and
4: Candy okay. X Men 399,
0: which is the original X Core run of okay. Candy X Men, were the X Core name. So anyway, so
1: when she when she said about her pheromone power, I'm like, oh, how is that different than Darken?
0: Like, I'm like, what Not happens really. when she when she yeah. and Darken in the same room? <gasps> I think Darken <gasps> mostly makes people interact with him in different ways, but she yeah. makes people uh, interact with each. With other. each other yeah, in, different. in so a different
1: way
2: so others yeah
1: right so the thing is a couple of things that kind of point that came off to me is that okay um because i feel like that she's doing the contraceptive thing because she's kind of tired of all the orphans being left <laughs> left, left the with the or, babies yeah i can't i mean you know she's just getting to the root of it which is like kudos to her like that's actually a very good way of getting right. there you know huh yeah
2: Sorry? that's a good way
1: yeah, that's a good in way of getting. Sex. Yeah, in the <laughs> way of sex, like you know, that's a very good way of getting there. Um, and then um, I was also kind of um, the. How long has Krakoa been? Because what's the gestation period for mutants?
3: It can't have been nine months yet. Yeah, We're because that's say it's
1: nine months. We're just going to say crazy. it's nine months. Just yeah. so
3: that's actually a sh- that's so much more time than I thought. That's, yeah, that's wild. But,
1: because because that's huh. when I was like, okay, so this is the first <laughs> way. So the thing is like, I'm assuming all of this conception happened in the first in the ho- pox five or pox the six when, party. Every,
4: yeah, when, when everybody was yeah when everybody was
1: sharing their beers and stuff, yeah. and you know that's where it happened. Like, and these are the children of the party like first party like children of founders party that are being dropped off i'm like can we have children of the founder party series because that would be nice that would be something yeah they should call children
0: yes. or youth
1: yeah. it's like Ch- yeah. children of the founders party it um,
3: recontextualizes new mutants because i'm like oh they can't even take care of the small children they have no time to teach any of you or get you guys out of trouble right.
1: there are so,
3: scores of children in the in the uh, birthing and, pods and
1: it also <laughs> kind of gives you a thing that there is never going to be a shortage of mutants so they never have to take care of anyone. Like, they, mm. if they because they have already got the Omega mutant. So the thing is, they don't actually have to spend money on, on, like, spend any resources on the new mutant because there is never going to be a shortage of them. That's actually very problematic and it's, like, problematic and very scary thought. And then the thing is, like, she also has the, like, it's not just, like, you know, you're cuddling and everything. If, if the, you know, the, people who are like I'm pretty there seems to be some mutants who are working there as potential like you know as partners and stuff and uh our homeboy Fabian Cortez showed up there with a the magneto helmet like that's <laughs> like I was like what is going on and and also it also pointed out the other thing that it did and that's one of the reason I love this issue so much because Lost who was pretty much lost all this time and is going about she found a. Uh, Purpose for her, she found a specific job for her that no one was helping her to find, and mm-hmm. that also shows that it's like all these mutants that are there could be implemented in different ways, but nobody's taking time to do this so there was like a lot of like different points that was all done in this one walk and talk, mm-hmm. and it just like i don't know I mean I was just blown away by this
2: the 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 fact that coca cola doesn't Okay, so basically, there's a lack of, la- lack of education and structure. Mm-hmm. And here, it also meant a lack of morality and a sense of responsibility. Because you can have people giving birth to mutant babies and just leaving them by the mm-hmm. side of the road. That is not a good thing. And then, um, you have people basically happily handing babies to Stacey X, like, laundry, and then just walking away. <laughs> that is <laughs> One a week, a she thing. says. And there's yeah, seven visible on the
0: panel. But, right. I mean, if it's one a week, it, it could very well be more. There's a minimum yeah. of
2: seven. That's the part which which really, um, shocks me here. That they, um, that, that we went this route and, um... In a good way, because I think um if we're gonna tackle the first law, make more mutants and not talk about sex, not talk about babies, then it kind of doesn't make quite make sense here. Um, you know, I mean I, 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 that there is a lot to sort of unpack here, um but ultimately, because this is a new country, new nation, new society without laws governing anything mm-hmm. the laws that they have basically just govern um what they cannot do um, in the sense that you know you cannot kill a human um, and you have to respect the land that's it um and that there is no um policing well i mean evidently self policing is not going to work here in this in in krakoa so you do need policing of some sort and the fact that they just randomly bring mutant kids and teenagers um unplug them probably from the um the the environment where they have a structure where they have parents where have where they have teachers where they know the rules um off and put them in an island where there are no rules where they can live any- anywhere they want, where they can do anything that they want, and potentially with influence from um, not-so-good mutants, this is, this is what you're going to get. And this is probably just the first layer. Hmm. You're going to see a lot more issues that comes later on. And add to that, knowing that they cannot die, knowing Mm -hmm. that they're immortal, knowing that if they die because of this, because of this strange, say, for example, um, you know, sexually transmitted disease, they don't care because if I die, I die. I mean, I can come back, like, you know, I just wait for three months, maybe in the queue, and I just get reborn. Good as new. And even if I want... Not even good as new, better than new because of (laughs) the whole regeneration 4% basically yeah, 4% increase
0: your
2: power than you had before. Yeah.
0: Well, so, first so. first I'll come from data. I did some number crunching and basically in the past decade, uh, Wellington had about 200,000 residents and 1% of <laughs> residents yield babies. So, basically if you were to break that out, there are 5 babies on average born per day. Every day in Wellington, which is funny to me because coming from Philadelphia, where like every hospital had, uh, you know, a, a maternity ward in uh, mm-hmm. Wellington, it's like, I guess, I guess not. If only like five or six babies are born every day in the whole city. But anyway, that does, there, there's clearly babies being born, I think. Statistically, mm-hmm. at this point, even though mostly we're spending our time with X-Men, there's enough random other mutants there that it's just happening. So there there's Peter's data corner today. Uh, I could talk about this for a whole 40 minutes and I got to find a way to do it in three. Stacey X is a character who knows a lot and who has been through a lot when it comes to agency. She's been a sex worker in a way where she did not have agency over her own She's been a sex worker in a way where she did have agency over her own work. She understands what it means to manipulate other people's agency because that is her power. But she also understands how to use her power to accentuate other people's agency and help them explore the feelings they have, which is what she's doing here. What better character is there to comment on the systems that are being set up in Krakoa that are suggesting things without explaining to people the power of their agency in that system. We're saying make more mutants, but Nightcrawler's been sitting on his blue furry ass all this time and he hasn't even defined for himself (laughs) what it means to make more mutants. Is it the resurrection process or is it having babies or is it it some other thing? Nobody knows. Is it Mr. Sinister? Nobody knows. (laughs) And so, but this rule is out there. Everybody's heard it. They've got it. It's probably inscribed in the gate and you've got to like, you know, consent to it as you're coming in, but nobody's explained to people the ramifications of that. Is there maternity care? Is there daycare? Will your kids have school? You know, should, as we talked about in another issue, somebody who has a mutant son or daughter bring that mutant son or daughter to Krakoa to grow up here? There's no answers. And I feel like Stacey X understands that they've created this um, this top level ruling of like, well, you have make more mutants. And they haven't put any of the structure inside of it, because this is the thing that she fundamentally understands how that causes conflict, right? She's been inside societies that create desire that people don't have a way to express. And she's seen that. And she's also been in situations where people should be able to express their desire, but they're not doing it in appropriate ways. And she's seen that effect too. So I think that that to me is fascinating. And it kind of like immediately explains all of the things that she does here. Like, does it make sense that she would be in charge of the orphanage? Yes! Because ultimately, like, if you're going to talk about sex positivity, sex positivity accepts the idea that you can have procreation as a result of sex, or sex can be for recreation. Sex positivity also includes safer sex. Like, if you're going to be sex positive, then you're going to have a conversation with everybody who's engaging in sex about what safer sex represents, not only in general, but what it means for them as a person. And Stacey X, I mean, it is smart as hell. I think this is the best decision Sparrow has made in three issues. And if you don't agree with me, well, we all come from different backgrounds and I don't have to be right. But based on my background as a sex educator, I was really into this idea of Stacy X being the one to kind of put the lie to all this. How dare you start a society where the first rule is make more mutants and then have no structure, no information, no, nothing about like, you know, you're consenting to be a part of this island and consenting to that being one of the rules of the island. And then there's nothing to give you any guidance within that so this not is really a good by sell. far my favorite part of this issue possibly my favorite part of Wave X all, all along I, I'm all about the Stacy X sex education Wavex. let's hope that's chapter 2 of this series and I'll buy every issue
1: the other thing to also point out that one that was very damning was that the council has not made a decision on what how to adopt these kids out.
3: No, that's uh, crazy. They're they spend spend nine months, months. <laughs> they
0: want milk <laughs> for the Mill. The, they just want to find the next reality, reality the, warper, but they have no plan yeah. for the next Beak right like that's that's the
1: thing that's like so that's why it's such a genius move it's like it's like okay so you're saying that you are better than them there's like so many times when you said that oh those are human emotion but you are practically still a human society and you have not done anything very different so i mean it's kind of cool you all got mars but you are all going to go extinct very soon yeah. so like, well, there's
3: no gonna... wonder apocalypse like the society it's totally <laughs> up his alley Where he's just I'm like yeah really if you does. die you die i don't really got anything for you
1: exactly and this well, is this kind of go, comes back to that as well because the first issue we talked about like the the crucible now it's talking about the actual one of the first thing i think like a Spurrier is like an anti like opposite side of hickman is like he's i'm going to undo all the rules that you have done So I will just
0: say, though, you know, I make notes on every issue, as do I think all of us at this point. And I have this thing that I write down scope problem, where if you take one thing that could be an interesting plot point, but then you blow it out of proportion in a way that makes it really hard to reconcile with the universe. It's like the difference between a couple of people being venomized and the whole city of New York being venomized. (laughs) It's much because then you've got to deal with everybody who's ever lived in New York has been venomized, which then when you later want to make a thing about codexes and people's spines, then you've got to deal with the fact that every New Yorker has a codex in their spine because you let some writer venomize every person in new york right mm. so i just think the whole as zach jenkins from comics have called them <laughs> the floor babies because they're found on the floor uh, i'm loving say, this tangent like absolutely. I, I, I think if you're saying that there's <laughs> one floor baby a week and there's already seven like that's approaching a scope problem and i think this is where Sperrier got a little too like wow like you, you need to like, Whoa, oh we're wacky uh like you didn't have to go that far i think there could have been three and you could have made the point of like Hey, this is a thing we've got to start thinking about in the society without saying, like, there's a baby being dropped every week. Yeah. I think, I think this is where Sperrier's need to make us um go, ooh, got a little far away from him. We saw this week that um mm-hmm. Skeedy and and Ewing made us go Ewing. ooh, without yeah. creating problems of the same scope as there's a baby to the step once a week. Well. That's a debate for a different issue. I'm <laughs> going to send this around for one last round of comments just about the general onslaughtiness of this. I mean, we, we have this whole baby scene. We have the things going south. We have a moment of romance between Dr. Nemesis and my darling Dazzler. I don't know how <laughs> yeah. I want to feel
1: about what that.
0: What the No, no but over, that was, no, all that was all caused by Stacey X. Yes, it, but she just gave them a push. They still have yeah, their she gave a push. She's ability like- to consent. She She's like,
2: I- I'm so Acting tired of you. your desires and see what happens. Yeah, I'm so tired of you yelling at Desla because you want to have her. Go at it. That's what she <laughs> said. That's what she did. Right, and Dazzler rounds
0: <laughs> Legion, Onslaught, the Patchwork Man. Is there anything worth saying before we wrap this up? Starting with Harry? It comes off- Oh, starting with Harry. If Harry's Harry. ready.
3: <laughs> uh, it just comes off really generic and like kind of a bit just more like random, like mind monster of the week. It felt like it had more kind of, Enter, like impact and kind of uh, air around it in the last two issues. So uh, this just felt like a generic uh, villain from like a, a comic, like any comic. All
0: right, Tyler or Faria?
1: Um The thing is though, it's like Onslaught, even though I don't know anything about it other than what I saw over here and then what I read <laughs> in the Wikipedia, it was very much coded as a child of Xavier and Magneto.
0: Like, Make in, more memes, y'all. Yeah.
1: yeah, like it was very much coded in, like, oh, they're, like, they were short of saying their love and <laughs> just kind of moved away from it. I was like, whoa, where did that <laughs> come from? So fun. it's. So it's kind of very. It makes sense that thematically this is the villain, like our villain or right. something that yeah. we are after. You know. Right. So the thing is like it just like because it's something a combination of two people who necessarily don't see eye to eye and
0: it takes create. To be like a bingo yeah. Uh, Tyler. And. Oh, sorry, we not done there for you. No, and the last thing it. I was
1: gonna mm-hmm. say though is like I was a little bit about like the um the nemesis and dazzler thing because it kind of gives that whole thing It's like, oh, the man being mean and still he got the girl. Right. Be mad be mad about that, people. Because mm-hmm. that is It's like, like you know, he's just
0: pulling her pigtails and, and it means he really had a crush on her. Like, come on. Are we even yeah,
1: better than that now? Right, possibly? and then Because the thing is, even if you put different people in it, the reaction would exactly going to be the same. same. Therefore, Tyler Furrier-Law worked. And be mad about that.
0: (laughs) All right, Tyler, end it for us.
2: What are the Zorns doing with Legion? Yeah, a lot of Zorns. Just a bunch of
3: oddballs kicking it together. That's what that is.
2: They're (laughs) just floating around, doing nothing, except when they got upset with Fabian. They're like, go away. I think that's what it's whole, I just
3: like, it's like, of course these three would hang out. Like, they have very similar, just yeah. interesting energies on
0: the island. Yeah, is it's just is, is weird. I have to say, in terms of cast, I don't know that there's a cast of another book that is, I mean, let's just count down before we wrap up here. Nightcrawler, Pixie, Loa Mercury, Dr. Nemesis, <laughs> Dazzler, Legion, Zorn, Zorn, Stacy, <laughs> Axe. Guest appearances by Fabian Cortez, who's now been in two issues, so he might be actually part of this long term. He's becoming,
1: he's becoming, he's gonna be part of this. He's a Onslaught,
0: cast. <laughs> and let's not miss that there was a scene of Magneto dancing with Wanda here, as we mentioned yeah, was on cute, his yeah. corresponding scene in Sword. That's tw- first of all twelve cast members being juggled all of whom are very underserved in X-Men books and all of whom I like a lot. So I continue to root for this book. I think just because this one came off a little flat, a little weird, a little overarching, a little scope problems, uh, a little sexy, uh, doesn't mean that we're on the wrong path. But just announced in the solicits, this is a season one of Wave X, and is going to culminate in a WaveX Revelations Onslaught special uh, that will be the final chapter of this. And then who knows what the next part will be. But Spurrier swears... On Twitter yeah. that there is a next chapter in the Sperrier <laughs> oh, Way of X saga. Okay. But it's cool. not necessarily going to be way of X issue number six. If
3: this oh. ends well, like this gets back to better quality. Like I'm fine with this being just like a really good yeah. mini. Like
1: Oh, so fun. so, so think, hold on. Sperrier is going to be back though, right? He's yes, so
3: this continue. is just the
0: beginning
1: of okay, the Sperrier. Okay. Of
3: it'll X. continue in
0: some way. Okay. Cool. cool,
1: cool, cool. Socks. Cool, cool, cool. Oh,
0: well, that's it, y'all.
1: Yeah.
0: When it comes to <laughs> discussing wave x now we are going to ever so briefly discuss x-men legends number four from a buyer skip perspective uh actually two of us already made that decision because freya and harry did not read the issue so tyler and i did so tyler and i are going to give our buyer skip perspectives on this and then freya and, and harry can be uh welcome to ask any questions to clarify our positions and so we'll begin with tyler would you tell people that this is a buy or skip and why
2: it is a skip for me, unfortunately. I mean the art is good if you like what um Simonson's art. But the story is really just an extended fight. Um and I also don't think that the baby that you know baby throwing should be a thing in the middle of a battle. Yeah. Um <laughs> so 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 this issue kind of like um ultimately is set up set, set, set up something about, you know, where Hotch when, and things like that, which, you know, I'd rather be surprised by his things as uh, appearance, actually, than than to know. So, you know, it's a skip.
0: Yeah, I have to say it's a skip. I have a slightly different perspective on, on those things, though. It's, I think, actually, that this does represent a weird hole in X Factor that, in retrospect, it feels like it would have been nice to have this issue as a flashback during that X Factor run to kind of fill in what was Apocalypse's ongoing relationship with Ship? Because Ship was just seen as this benevolent force that they've kind of tamed, but then it just jets them off to the Judgment War. And it, it's yeah. really actually cool to see behind the curtain there. And also to kind of define Hodge's relationship to Apocalypse in that same period, mm. which then you know gets tucked under the rug for like 20 whole issues until we get to the um, Extinction Agenda. Extinction. So like from yeah. that perspective in this issue... I actually kind of was enjoying it, but here's the thing. The actual, that's just the frame. The actual issue is just... Tossing Nathan Christopher Summers around like a football while they fight this like automated turret version of Hodge. The fight is so anonymous. The dialogue in the fight is so anonymous. It's, it just, there's nothing to say for it. It's one of these things where I think Tyler and I are making it sound a lot more interesting than it actually is. All of these things about Hodge and the ship and everything all are in like one framing page at the end of the issue. So I guess on a skip on it because this could have been done well in the original run, but I just don't think it's done in a very compelling way here. It's it's specifically for people who get to Judgment War in their original read of X-Factor and are like, I don't understand. Where did, it, what happened? Where did everybody go? It's just, it exists just for that. I have to add that hilariously in the final editorial note in the issue, they point out that it leads into Judgment War and then say, but good, we're making you really hunt for this because it has never been reprinted. <laughs> because it's never been in any of the OHCs because it's after yeah. Inferno and they have not got there with Epic Collection yet. It was, however, in the X-Factor Essentials editions. So the editor mm-hmm. really should have truck crushing crisis and they would have known that. But uh, otherwise, <laughs> otherwise it has not been reprinted. So unless you are at issue 43 of the original X-Factor run and you are extremely puzzled, I think this is a skip. Free and Harry, any questions for us?
1: So the baby no. is in Summer? Like yes. Cable? Okay. Yes. So anything with Cable, I think, if they're read- Redconning, I feel like that should be like looked well, at. Like, why are they retconning or like, adding stuff to it? Not retconning, sorry. Well, adding they don't stuff really to change. Yeah.
0: He's not. with X Factor, canonically, yeah. at this point, at ah. the end of Inferno. You know, Madeline had had him wish- with Nest here to use him in the mm-hmm. ceremony or whatever. Yeah, Gene yeah. reabsorbs Madeline's memories. Gene kind of decides that she's default become his mom now, and he's just mm-hmm. with the team. So this is this yeah. is just wow. seamlessly part of that. It's except for it they is. do play yeah. with him expressing his powers, which I was like, yes. I don't know if we needed that. Much that much of him having his powers as, as a
2: six-month-old in the middle of this. Well, I mean, he did come. He, he did suddenly created a telekinetic bubble in a later issue of X Factor. Yeah,
0: so they're but not that before up. here. Yeah,
2: yeah. So they're setting it up a little bit here. But the the, the facts that they did not know yet he, he could manifest his power and that they are throwing him from one. One character I mean, to I'm really just tossing it. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's not that's
2: not that does not sit well with me.
0: Just I just like someone I, I just didn't want you to get too far down a path of, of continuity without giving yeah. you the information. Yeah.
1: No, I was just going to say that, you know, I just like, hope that uh, Dugan or someone will like, remember that one time you just tossed me around? <laughs> like, if, 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 a if really it does... have traumatic memory of just being <laughs> tossed. <laughs> yeah, being tossed. <laughs> so, if that happens, then I feel like this issue would be justified.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. Harry, any questions for us?
3: Um, who's your favorite character from this? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> maybe apocalypse. actually
0: <laughs> i mean because it's just it's just fun apocalypse material it's, mm. it shows that he's still keeping taps in him apocalypse really kind of disappears if i'm remembering it correctly all the yeah. way until he comes back in the 60s when claremont's mm. writing it to like infect nathan christopher and do the whole mm. blue area of the moon yeah. thing so i i kind of appreciate any added texture for apocalypse and and i think mm. from that perspective he's probably my favorite what about you tyler
2: Mm-hmm. They are all equally bland in this issue for me. So it's not like, I mean, no one actually stands out quite a bit, um, you know, in, in any ways. Uh, I mean, in some ways, I think Angel, Archangel yeah. Angel here, got a little bit more of a voice here than, than anyone else, so.
0: And that's uh. another thread kind of from Inferno that gets a little rushed in the transition, is that like, he, he all of a sudden isn't their chief concern by the end of Inferno, so he always yeah. just turns into this helper person. And yeah. then and then he's just this helper on the team. And I think that this does give a little bit of texture yeah. to like how how he's starting to gain control, how he doesn't fully understand his powers. But again, I think we're making it sound a lot more interesting in talking.
1: No, about. you're actually you're
0: not. I wouldn't. No, <laughs> <talk.
3: laughs> no, no. I was like I
1: was like, you know, this mm-hmm. era of x is mm-hmm. so much better. No, and, okay. no, and no. we we'll, we'll move
0: on. <laughs> Here's the thing I'm having with this X-Men Legends series as a whole. That first issue promised us something really juicy, the first two issues, which was like mm-hmm. talking about Adam X, which we've always been interested in. But if that was all they were going to do, why didn't they just let that be its own three-issue miniseries or whatever? Like, why are they bolting on these? We didn't need this. <laughs> Nobody was no. asking this question. Now we're going to revisit Peter Davis' X Factor, which, like, I he was cut quite short on that run and people think yeah. it was the original Peter David X Factor people think it was much longer than it actually was but like is there anything that any fan has really been wondering all of these years it just feels like if you're going to call it X-Men Legends I'm looking for material that is like Legends level material yeah. yeah
1: yeah when you said De- Peter David X Factor like, oh, are they going to do that whole Layla Miller being a child grooming situation are you going to retcon no. that because I mean, let's do that like you know I would really love that no. but no X-Factor here we are really- Still
0: stuck. There you go. That we promised to talk about everything X Men, and this is what you get when when we keep our promises. (laughs) As it happens, there's kind of a secret fifth or sixth, if you're counting Guardians of the Galaxy X Men issue this week, because Marvel Voices Pride was I counted 57 percent stories about mutants. So Tyler and I read (laughs) all of it, right? Tyler, yeah, you read all of it. Fria read read some of
1: it. One of it.
0: One of it. Harry, and you
1: can all guess which one. (laughs) None at all. Okay.
0: So we're going to do true lightning round here. Some of these we're not going to discuss at all. We're just going to summarize. There are five in specific that we're going to have a brief go around on. And mostly it'll be Tyler and I, except for the one that Freya will take the lead on. I bet you can guess which one. So it starts out with an introduction that recaps the history of LGBTQA <laughs> characters at Marvel. It's actually a, pr- a pretty solid history of all of these mm. characters having read a lot of these stories. And it's yeah. told by Prodigy, which is pretty cool, I think. And Prodigy gets his own story later. So very fun. Then there's a one-page Billy and Teddy wedding vows, which is pretty neat to see here, but uh, not mutant, so we're not going to get further into it. Then there is a brief story of Carolina and Nico, who can be seen together in runaways. It's very cute. They're writing in line for a concert. Loved it. Then there is a very interesting story with Elektra and Dr. Charlene McGowan. If you have been reading Immortal Hulk, she's a regular character in that. She's made the leap to Gamma Flight this week, and she is a trans character who has been very important to many aspects of that run. So it's really interesting to see her bump up against another hero in the Marvel Universe. I'm also going to mention, and if Tyler wants to discuss it, he can, although I don't have a lot to say about it, the Black Cat and Jesse Drake story. Now, we promise spoilers for the rest of the Marvel Universe. The last issue of Black Cat has made quite specifically textual that Black Cat is bi or pansexual, and which has mm-hmm. been hinted at, kind of mentioned before, but this was boldly on panel shown to be true. And Jesse Drake is a canonically transgender mutant a trans woman who was introduced way, way back in Marvel Comics Presents 150 and 151, many people are aware of her have been waiting to see if she's going to make an appearance in this Krokoa era and she does here although quite separate from Krokoa itself and this story I'll note was written by Leah Williams but co-written and plotted and drawn by Jan Baladusa who has recently come out as a trans woman and is a fantastic artist who did Mr. and Mrs. X with Kelly Thompson so Tyler anything you want to say about that uh, Black Cat Jesse Drake story?
2: Not really I mean I thought it was a really interesting story um, i I have not been following Black Cat, so I was like, "Oh, wait, she is you know um, pan by." I-, I did not know that. Oh yeah, there so was a juicy up.
0: kiss at the la- at the end of the last Black <laughs> Cat. Black Cat's been a lot of fun. I know it sounds like a kind yes, of marginal no, boring book. book. It is mm-hmm. really good. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: As of right right now, I think it's very safe to say if you have a character who is like really weird and like, you know, I mean, not really weird, but really doesn't necessarily care about humanity that much, that's a (laughs) bi-character.
0: that's that's bi energy and that's in, like it's called
1: so bi disaster i can speak to it <laughs> you
0: know. okay so now from we're experience not, we're not going to discuss an issue of real i thought I a really sweet story about a kai uh yes. cosplayer of she hulk who is do it was a trans woman who's doing her first um cosplay out as a as a woman character and and her encounter with titania who i love now we finally arrive at one that we're going to talk about and i really am dying to hear what tyler has to say about it because it's prodigy's story about realizing his bisexuality and the Mechanism of him realizing that he is by is his intense infatuation with Colossus. Something that Tyler is incredibly, incredibly well qualified to discuss. So I turn it over to Tyler. I want. I need to read that.
1: It's. It's. it's I, I scroll through it. It's, it's.
2: It's not just his infatuation, but every time he talks about the infatuation, Colossus is drawn with his costume that shows his entire side his yeah, so. <laughs> whole like sidebook. So everything is like clear. <laughs> and it's, it's so funny. But it's also so um, I mean it 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 tracks really well with me too because um I I do get attracted to muscular guys. So mm-hmm. um so so this this really tracks like very well with me, um, and you know, and it's not, and it, it's sort of, I mean, even though it's drawn in a particular way, but it talks about the feeling that you get, and um, and 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 I think that is very uh innate uh, um that is something which certain people. I have had conversations where people was like, "How do you know you are gay?" And my How do people answer: know
1: They're s- straight.
2: Exactly. That would be my answer. How do you know you're straight? Is it because I'm attracted to the opposite sex? Exactly. And because I know I'm gay because I'm attracted to guys. And how do I know that? Because I've always been like that. <laughs> and, and, and that that is the conversation here. And, and I think it, there's a layer of, um, of, of, of um, ambiguity with um, a bi character and a bi person, um, I can't really speak of it because I'm not bi. Um, no. In, in a sense. I
4: <laughs> well, can I speak mean,
2: too. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> no. Because, because, because it is really true. Because Prodigy is saying that, you know, if... I mean, I think there's a one, one line there and I'm paraphrasing that um, in a lot of cases, bi characters typically just, you know, settle as being straight because they do not know if that other feeling is correct or not Mm. and here because of his powers and because of his proximity to kitty who is also you know um infatuated even though the timing doesn't quite work in, in 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 the history of comics because at that point in time kitty is no longer just infatuated with peter um but um but yeah i mean let's ignore that so basically he he compares his feeling with um looking at peter and kitty's feelings with peter and they matches and that is how he knows that he's spy and um i mean i, and I, I think, think
0: something notable about it is that it is written or co- co-plotted by Kieran Gillen with Jen Hickman this is Kieran mm-hmm. Gillen's plot point. He introduced yeah. bisexual on um, Prodigy back in an Avengers and Kieran yeah. Gillen himself as an out bisexual man. And I just think it yeah. was, it, it's really this great thing of like, how do you validate an internal feeling, right? To, to know that it's real, especially when it's leading to some kind of confusion for you. And I think it's just, mm-hmm. I, I loved it. I think this is an essential story, honestly. Yeah, it's really this good. is really good. All right, so the next one stars Annal and Girlmakin. It's called Good Judy. Any comments on this one, Tyler?
2: I don't have a lot of comments on this one. Um, Do you have any comments? Because I don't quite know if this portrayal of the characters um, fits what is happening in New Mutants right now.
0: I liked it because it's, for me, it tied Anil that we knew and that we love to the Anil that's in New Mutants a little bit more because Mm. it framed his struggle with romance and with dating, not through any kind of fear of the fact that he's gay, but the fear of who he is and what his physical presentation is, which is a connection to how Videla is writing him in New Mutants. So I just like that. I think a lot of our complaints in New Mutants have kind of been like, is this the animal that we know? And to kind of yeah. like bring that back around to the fact that he doesn't have a romance life or like making who looks like there's a weird little underground gargoyle is like, oh, I just had a hot date and I was like, that's yeah. me. I just thought I was like, oh, that's clever. This is how you add texture. Do I love that they both decide to dance with Dokken at the end of the story? No. But I, I do think that that was like a nice little bit of texture. For me. Yeah. Okay. Uh, there was an Iceman story that I have to think we have to treat as non-canonical because Iceman as a teenager comes out to Magneto who decides to drop his missiles into the lake to comfort a young gay Iceman. I have no comments nor do I wish to have us discuss it. Then we have brief story of um north Style. i really like it though it's it's cute it's got i mean it's got some great moments but the helmet helmet
1: discussion it was good but the thing is like i was kind of more taken by like uh the the way the binding of the angel's wings like you know the in the very beginning that 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 was kind of like traumatizing but that was
2: canonical right
0: that, yeah, that's canonical and it's traumatizing and it's yeah. an allegory. Yeah, and, right, it. and it's
1: and especially like you know with winged characters having that, it's always. Mm. I guess
0: the reason I'm saying I want to brush past is because it's really hard to canonically reconcile the magneto we yeah. have here so it's actually in terms of symbolism and in terms of like just making you feel something actually I do think it's one of the best stories in the book but because mm-hmm. we're a continuity obsessed bunch I just think that that way lies danger for us to yes. try to try to get into so then there's a north Kyle north star Kyle story which is basically just Kyle talking about how cool north star is which I think we all agree uh, <laughs> which brings us finally to the story that I want to hear Faria talk about which is death <gasps> mystique Woo. Woo. like
1: i mean this <laughs> i don't Britain know how Tini far howard
0: with samantha dodge and britney pierre
1: on right so in the in the hillfire guide uh, there was this whole line that tinny howard wrote about like mystique said oh um, for now there was like a threat but this is one story and i'm assuming i mean it's canon this shows that things are not going to end well like mystique will do anything for destiny like anything she says yeah Yeah. she will come and then this is like it comes like it there was like a, a, a she had no problem snapping a man's neck and then she was there there was like a lot of conversation and this was like I mean, it's this kind of shows a lot of that, you know. And, and she snaps I mean, a,
0: his neck just for threatening their relationship, right? right. It is, like, very specifically mm. a yeah. parallel it's a, the currently. It's not exactly. anything he's done or anything. It's just for saying that he threatens their ability to be together. Because he's basically saying, like, I have this picture with you. And he's like, leave aside that you're lesbians for a second. Right. This woman you're with is clearly a monster, referring to Mystique. And Mystique's like, oh, really? You're going to try to get in between us?
1: Yeah. Snack and that. that's And that's exactly what I was like... This should be whatever Inferno whatever story Inferno is having this should be you know materials from Bride Voice 1 like you know this should be in part of the part of the um, part of the trade yeah it should be like this, the prologue right? yeah this yeah, yeah this establishes that it's she's not going to stop like you know this is there is no there's the off button in that mm. give me back my wife like that's that's how I took it. Like yeah. you know, there's no there's no off there. And so, it's one of the first
0: times we've ever canonically seen them together in a historical setting, we've seen old Mystique stories, like when she gives birth to Nightcaller, but we don't really get a chance to see the two of them together, like in a pre-Rogue setting. Like I want a whole book. Let's do it. Irene Adler and Mystique yeah. is Sherlock Holmes. This is Moriarty. The, like, exactly. Ostensibly. Like, s- next yeah. Snap. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: So th- th- this is how Moriarty ends. Yeah. Um, um, although, although you know, this is not. Well, I read so like, um, next, But also, like, oh. young destiny. Like, you know, I don't no, think, I, I don't it. think, that's a, yeah, and she looks so much like her old pop.
0: Okay, next story is a Karma story, which has... It's puzzling, so I really don't want to get into it, but Karma mm. gets to have a kiss on panel, but it's with this random mutant that she's been pining for, not Danny Moonstar, uh, who happens to be at the gala and she has a dance with. It's, so it's actually set at the gala. It's gala material, but it's just the little puzzling because it seems to be working at counter purposes to New Mutants itself, although I will point out it's written by Vita Ella, so perhaps this is going to come into play in come the next back. arc of yep. New Mutants. We don't know. And then finally... <laughs> Interesting story for its implications, we hear about a man that Daken had a one-night stand with, but who was a mutant, so he made them feel like they were together their whole lives, but this was a long time ago, and the man kind of grows old and has his whole life and dies, but Daken gets him bumped up in the resurrection queue and he gets brought back, but he gets brought back as a young man, Mm. even though he died of old age.
3: Are you kidding? This sounds like a great story.
1: No, it it's actually really, really I really like it. that. That sounds really,
3: really interesting.
1: interesting. <laughs> and and this is like a new character that Steve Orlando said he's creating, right? Yeah. This, yeah. this is a brand new, and then the thing yeah. is, they with end Luciano with- Luciano Vecchio, who, who yeah.
0: wrote and drew that whole intro story, yeah.
1: Yeah, and then it kind of comes to, like, you know, it ends with like, watch more for this character showing mm-hmm. up. So mm-hmm. I'm super excited about that. This is another story I kind of uh, scrolled through very fast and I read it because, you know, the only reason I'm waiting because I actually ordered the actual issue and I want to read it like you know the, but the thing is like um yeah we like told this, her she was...
0: had to be here to comment on the Mystique <laughs> story yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> okay this, so this, this this is just a play of moira's uh um uh, mutant power which I, which I which i which i which i thought was like really really clever and um because imagine him having many one night stands he he actually lived many lifetimes mm. oh okay well he should appear in Way of X then. So, uh, (laughs) my
0: final comment is this. There's 12 stories, not including the reprint of Alpha Flight or the introductory story, which pretty much has all, every, you know, queer Marvel character in it. And, uh, in these 12 stories, 11 of them feature characters who have appeared monthly in Marvel Comics over the course of the last year, and they have missed a lot of easy pick heavy hitters. There's no Hercules and Marvel Boy, um, there's no Miss America Chavez, there are other characters appearing monthly that they could have included and didn't. So I just think, you know, there's always room to grow in representation of all people, but especially of LGBTQA plus people in comic books. But I thought it was pretty amazing that we have a whole cast of characters here that you can read all around the marvel universe every month so let's take pride in that 12 months a year and let's always ask for better and more every month at marvel comics yes and
1: don't don't cancel x factor
0: and don't count the yeah. X-Factor, take it Bring back, back okay.
2: X-Factor. Yes. Bring back Because a lot um, of... Hewitt. How many
0: of these characters are regular characters in X-Factor? I oh, know. exactly. Right? Yeah. Okay. And bring
2: back, and bring back Hew- Hewitt and Hercules.
0: And yes! Matter, can we get Lila Sturgis writing in an X-Book? Lila Sturges is amazing. I always love her independence stuff. She's written great mm-hmm. Lumberjane stuff. She wrote in Magicians. She has like a few pages to work magic with here, and magic is made. Like, if there's... Like, get her into the X-Office. Come on, people okay that's been all for this i mean we thought last week was planet size but this is planet size and i promised i was going to wrap it up in the next 60 seconds to some of these folks so we're wrapping it up why do we get together and have this conversation week after week for you
1: because x-men is better when it's wrapped together
0: that is right and wow you know this really was i i was feeling some kind of kind of way after reading these books both positively and negatively I had to go and mute a bunch of words on Twitter. I didn't want to see people talking about X-Men because I wanted to have the (laughs) conversation together with a group of people I felt like I was in a room with. And Mm -hmm. um, sometimes just seeing passerby comment about it is not the same thing as being an interactive discussion. So we hope that you don't just feel like a passerby with us. We want you to feel like you're a part of this discussion. We so much appreciate you listening, especially when we're planet slides like this. And so on behalf of Harry, Tyler, Freya, and myself, we've got one more week of Gala, y'all, because next week it's Mm X-Factor 10. So we look forward to the next time we get to talk to you on this week in X. And until we do, we very much hope that you are well. Bye.